Welcome to the show. This is the Golden Age of Grappling Podcast, episode 269. I'm DP. And I'm Tony G. DP, this week for the people. Wow. It was the WBF's 1992 Bodybuilding Championship. Oh my God. What if... What, what if what if the, the what if the athletes never touched each other? What if they just stand there? This is what Vince wishes professional wrestling looked like. I think this is <laughs> yes. he could care less about any wrestling. Vince, it's everything except oh. the wrestling. Vince would much rather produce like Meathead Broadway. That's what he wants. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, oh. wow, folks! I got to tell you, this show did not disappoint. It is, it's something. Uh, it's. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. My yeah. God. We'll talk all about the World Bodybuilding Championships from 1992 from the WBF because this is a wrestling review podcast. Each week, Tony and I get together and discuss an event that we agreed to watch the previous week. Usually it is wrestling, but this week, standing around and flexing. Um, and you can check out all of our information. All of our links to social media and everywhere else that we're found on the internet is found on our website, www.goldenagepodcast.com. Dot com. And if you're listening on a streaming device or on like a Spotify or on somewhere that maybe doesn't show past 100 episodes back and you'd like to check out those older episodes, you can do so on our website. Yeah, absolutely. Also, you know, hit us up on Facebook and Twitter. Don't be afraid say to hi. Uh, say hi, make a request, tell us that we suck, you know, whatever floats your boat. Absolutely. Yeah, we always like to, to hear from people. But before I guess we can dive back, Tony, into the world that was 1992 and Vince McMahon's wet dream of, a, of an oh, event, um, you said it. it's time to discuss a little bit about what happened in the world of wrestling this week. So it's an appetizer, I guess, for our current wrestling segment, which is at the end of the show. This is a little bit of it right now served up on the Sid Vicious Dishes. That board with this look on my face. It was something that was given to me because of people like you. See, he's going to stereotype me. It's the big dumb guy. And I have half the brain that you do. My disposition is not something I was born with. It's something I was acquired because people like you. <laughs> because you are feared of me. Well, the skeptics and all the people have a little bit. Of, let me do this again. Oh, it's live, Hal. Sorry. All right, Tony, we are live. Are you ready to admit that Don Callis is the greatest manager of all time in wrestling history? And the invisible hand himself. Listen, he's <laughs> he's certainly a manager in the history of professional wrestling. Um, Omega won the Impact Championship, defeating Rich Swan and yeah. Rebellion. We talked last week about this one-way uh, promotional train. And uh, so, yeah, Omega gets the win there, and that will take us to Dino Might. Now, did you the, see any sort of, like, highlights from the match, or did you watch the match at all for, from the Impact show? Uh, no. Okay. Because I had not seen, like, usually when those kind of things happen, you'd get, like, at least, like, the last minute on, like, a video on Twitter or something like yeah. that. Oh, I, I mean, I'm sure it's that, out there. But, I mean, I yeah. also maybe just didn't turn on Twitter on that Tuesday night. Right. No, I'm sure that, yeah, it's out there. But anyways, Kenny got the win. Okay. Um, on Dynamite, the Elite are in the limousine outside. Callus talking about how great they all are. Yeah. 
social distancing be damned. Let's let's shove as many men into this limo as possible. I loved like the sarcastic cows. Like, there's nothing better than six guys jammed <laughs> in the back of a limousine. <laughs> that one doesn't make me laugh. That was outstanding. Uh, but yeah, they they're awesome. Omega mentions he's not happy about Moxley and Kingston running into their trailer, you know, last week. Yeah, uh, but they will not be intimidated or scared. <laughs> the, the horn of the limousine is then honked, and they all jump. Luke Gallows goes way over the top, like. <laughs> almost having a seizure. Um, and Nakazawa would roll down the window and apologize for accidentally honking the horn on their own vehicle. So Nice. Now, Damn you, Nakazawa. <laughs> now, one of the things that I've noticed about the uh, the Elite as of late, and mm-hmm. I, I'm assuming it must be in reference directly to something that happened on on being the Elite, because I haven't been watching that, but do you, do you know where... What happened to Ken Anderson's or Ken uh, Arn or whatever his name is Pants? Carl. Carl. Isn't it Carl Anderson. Carl Anderson. Yeah. Uh, no, I I don't pay much attention to the Good Brothers. Okay, because he suddenly <laughs> is wearing trunks everywhere, and I didn't know what this, right. what the connection was. That I didn't know if I just missed it on Dynamite. Is he is he trying to steal Hangman Pages? You know, wearing his gear gimmick. Which is actually technically a comment on Pac wearing his gear everywhere. Right, exactly. Yeah, good point. (laughs) Um, Elite news continues. Young Bucks getting a victory over Mike and Matt Seidel. It was, of course, a fun match. But the the news here is SCU, Daniels and Kazarian, would come out and call the Bucks out for their change in attitude and, well, questionable wardrobe decisions. assholes. Well, you know, I try to keep it clean here. All right, we're running a tight ship. No, you're right. Yeah, (laughs) called them assholes. Daniels swore a lot, actually. He did. He took... He took up a lot of their swear cards. He was like, week. we get on the show before Jericho's going to be on the show. We need to get <laughs> as many swear words in as possible to restrict him later yeah. on. Uh, Kazarian brings up a long lost storyline that is their own, is this company's fault. I'm sorry that I don't remember that. They're on the, like, Ric Flair, if we lose a match, we're done tour. Kazarian and Daniels. Oh, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. And they haven't lost since they said they would break up if the next time they lost, which is usually how this goes. Um, Daniels was hoping to fight their friends, but say they've changed and called them entitled overdressed bitches. <laughs> and, uh, so now they're going to take their tag titles. The thing Which, that means the most to them, the, 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 the company, if people aren't watching, if you've not been watching dynamite, the company has been going over the top to explain how expensive the shoes that the bucks have been wearing into the ring are right. like yeah. how over the top this whole thing is. So like they, yeah, it hasn't been made like it's been made very clear. Yes, very clear. So that happened. You know, the Bucks were like, whatever. So, and uh, we move on to Eddie Kingston taking on Michael Nakazawa. <laughs> I just, this is one of those things where, again, I'd walked out of the room and then I, because there were commercials playing on Hulu. And when I come back mm-hmm. in, the show had been back on. And I just come back to Eddie Kingston getting through the ropes going, Kenny. Kenny, I'm not doing this. What? I'm not doing yeah. like. And Michael Nagazawa yeah. is sitting in a chair in his like full like producer gear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because yeah, Kenny Omega came out and said he's not getting Kenny Omega. He's gonna fight one of his goons, as he referred gotcha. to Nakazawa. So, uh, oh poor Nak, man, he's now a goon. I thought he was. I thought he would be of like higher importance in the friendship ladder than like the Good Brothers. Well, he was driving the limo, so I can't imagine that he's it's true. Too good of standing. Um, Omega, you know, the match was what it were. Omega gets in the ring afterwards, and uh, Moxley would attack. They wrap a chair around the ankle of Kenny Omega, 
And Don Callis is in full freakout mode saying he'll give them anything they want. Anything they want. And these fucking morons <laughs> ask for a tag team match uh, against Omega and Nakazawa next week at Blood and Guts. Why would so it they... won't be a one-match show. That's all well, good to hear. I mean, I guess at least... I guess it makes sense because it wouldn't make sense for either of them to allow the other person to go into a singles match with Kenny, but right. you'd think, you know, you'd get something that would be more towards like, why I would mean, you involve Michael Nakazawa at all? I mean, Eddie Kingston like took a bullet for Moxley, basically. <laughs> like, don't you think Moxley would owe Kingston like that title match against Omega? Yeah, you could, you could do that. You know, that just that. seems like that would have been the nice friend thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> or vice versa. You know, Kingston cares a lot about Moxley and knows how much he wants at Omega. It just, you have, I mean, literally, a golden ticket from mm-hmm. Don Callis. Anything you want, you know? Yeah. And <laughs> we want a tag match against Omega and Nakazawa. <laughs> okay. Oh. Just don't make it an exploding ring match because that won't end well. For sure. Uh, but yeah, so solid stuff. Um, again, not a whole lot of mention of, you know, Rich Swan or Impact Wrestling for the most part. No. Um, they are going to have a six-man tag match with Omega and the Good Brothers against, uh, I think it's Finn Juice and Eddie Edwards. Oh, okay. So, nice. I mean, I, Eddie Edwards and Kenny Omega is definitely a match that I would you know, love to see. So Absolutely. You know, that would be that would be a lot of fun. I just, I, I have been entertained by the way that this, this turn has gone with the Bucks finally fully going this direction. But mm-hmm. it was one of those things where it's like, why did we spend the last month with them doing this like back and forth thing? Like, I don't know. Maybe it's just to draw it out the story, I guess. Yeah, I, mean, I guess they did. Right. Yeah. Ultimately to land where we kind of thought we would all along. So exactly. But, you know, yeah. fun, solid stuff. The elite are, you know, at this point, kind of in takeover mode of dynamite to some extent, at least, yeah. you know, as far as Moxley and Kingston are concerned, they don't really mess with much else. All right, so that's the current world of wrestling, I guess, uh, with the Elite and where they've been at. And, of course, if you want to hear more about our thoughts on current wrestling, you can stick around to the very end of the show. But for now, Tony, we've got to go back in time to the world of 1992, June of 1992, to be specific. So let's rev this baby up to 88 miles an hour and head back with the four things. Four! The Four Things Time Capsule. The Four Things are... Number one. Tony, on June 8th, New York Yankees pitcher Steve Howell was banned from baseball for the seventh time. For the seventh time. And the reason... How was he banned from baseball? Well, he was banned from baseball because he was suspended on Monday after pleading guilty to a cocaine charge. Baseball commissioner Faye Vincent announced the indefinite suspension after the 34-year-old reliever made a plea in federal court in Montana. On or Vincent said in a two-paragraph statement that Howe had violated baseball's drug policy, and the commissioner will ask Howe to meet with him as soon as is practicable. Um, Howe's drug and alcohol problems have spanned a decade long, and Vincent's ruling marks the third time a commissioner had tossed him out of baseball it was Vincent who had allowed Howe to return to baseball two years beforehand after his sixth time that he was banned. You listen here, mister. You only get seven chances, okay? <laughs> you better use those wisely. I mean, it's you, just... You guys call me, point, bitch, one, more, one or three more times here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave right. this place. 
Right. Like the problem ultimately in those situations is you're doing a disservice to that person. You know, everyone yeah. talks about like the second chances. It's like, that's good. That's all fine and good. Yep. But you can't just put them right back into the situations and the places they were in previously and expect them to be better. So, no, I don't. I mean, if you want to look even just as recently, Josh Gordon, like his whole right. ordeal, like uh, number just let the man smoke pot. Number Sorry, anyway. two on June 14th. Well, the problem is he wants to drink wine before games. I uh, know. Yeah. In the NBA finals. The Chicago Bulls beat the Portland Trailblazers 97 to 93 in game 6 for their back-to-back titles with Michael Jordan winning a second straight MVP. Yeah, that's always one of those everyone talks about the the second three championships after the baseball stuff. Yeah. You'll stump just about anybody if you try to ask them the first three championships like who were the th- <laughs> the teams that they beat because it's pretty really? random. Yeah. I guess the I'm pretty sure it was are pretty random when they don't have Scottie Pippen, so yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like an old Lakers maybe was the first one. Okay. And then Phoenix was the other one besides Portland. That's ah, I'm pretty sure. Nice. So, yeah. So, yeah. So the, Michael Jordan is in the middle of, you know, his first three, Pete, uh, right mm-hmm. there. Number three, taking a look at the movies coming to American theaters in the weeks leading up to tonight's event. We start off on May 22nd when three films released. Far and oh. Away, a Western romance made $59 million. <laughs> Which... I am a sucker for it. It's a oh, definitely really? an it's an over the top, ridiculous kind of love story. But it, yeah, it's a good flick. I mean, I figured with Ron Howard directing, it probably was at least competent. But I didn't know anything else about it. And Sino Man also released, making forty million dollars. And Crusty. Alien Three. Yeah, Alien Three gets a bit of a bad rap. That's an, also a movie that has a great documentaries about like the making of it because that oh, was, okay. uh, I think. Uh, David Fincher, one of his early films, I can't remember, and like oh. just the production nightmare and the studio <laughs> interference. But ultimately, like they made a pretty good movie. It's just not like, you know, a great alien movie. It's not alien or aliens, so it's right. It's got the evil <laughs> Lannister father. Oh, okay. mucking things up as the bad guy. So gotcha. May 29th saw one film release according to this list, which usually does have. Pretty much everybody that released uh, Sister Act made two hundred thirty-one million dollars for Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, it's hard sometimes to talk like to really let how big a movie was at like a time when <laughs> there weren't so many movies all yes. the time. Like yeah. Sister Act was a phenomenon. Everybody's mom wanted an aunt liked yep. watching Sister Act. They all thought Whoopi Goldberg was hilarious. It was like the first PG thirteen movie I was allowed to watch was Sister right. Act. <laughs> Yeah, and then she started and she was on the view, and now my mom doesn't like her. <laughs> <laughs> the next week, June fifth, uh the big movie that released that weekend was Patriot Games, making hundred and seventy eight million dollars. That's some Clancy stuff there. Yes. Yeah, I think that's yeah. Clancy and uh Harrison Ford, I believe. Yeah, June that was usually the pairing. Twelfth saw a release of one movie that I had to put in here. It only made $2.5 million, but I put it in here because I'm pretty sure that some of the footage was used for part of this show. Aces Iron Eagle 3 released, making $2.5 million. <laughs> it probably. They're like, yeah, we don't care. You can just use our footage. Uh, oh. Yeah, so that, you know, Iron Eagle 3, which the Iron Eagle trilogy always baffled me that all three made it into theaters. Um, yeah, it was a sad end there by the third one. Absolutely. Also releasing was House Sitter, starring Goldie Hawn and Steve Martin, making $94 million. Huh, I don't, don't have much memory of that one. No idea. Not seen that one at all. 
Number four, we take a look at the musical side of popular culture. We look to the Billboard Hot 100, where the cultural phenomenon was underway. The impact of children wearing their clothes backwards was reigning atop mm. the charts. Released on February 6th, the song would top the chart in the U.S. by April 25th, and it would hold solidly atop the charts until this week of June 13th, when the song was called Jump by Crisscross. There you go. And the, and the suburbs had officially taken over rap music. <laughs> now if your grandmother was dancing to jump at barbecues. I mean, the chorus is is perfect. The hook is great. But yeah. the actual, like, verses, it's just so clear that, like, the verses are being written by the dad of whoever these two guys. Because it, it's so, like, dad lyrics. Like, you can hear every word that I'm saying because I'm not mumbling and I don't talk about violence. <laughs> and, like, that's all that they're singing about the whole time. <laughs> uh, simpler times, though. Oh. So, yeah, so that brings us to the night of June 13th, 1992. When Vince McMahon, the nights that will live in infamy, WBF held their second annual and last uh, <laughs> championship. Yeah, it's the 1992 bodybuilding championship extravaganza in front of people I can only imagine were taken hostage and forced to sit in this crowd and watch this show. It seems, I mean, I don't know how you packed this house for this. Like, because they keep showing shots of the crowd and it doesn't look like it's fake. It looks <laughs> it's, like they're really packed. It's got to be friends and family. <laughs> Probably. And maybe and maybe a few bachelorette parties. Well, friends and family and all these guys, at least according to this thing that I, so I looked up this video. Uh, it's, mm -hmm. it's the YouTube channel is called Bodybuilding Chronicles. So not a topic I would usually be checking out their videos, but they had a video with Sean Ray. Uh, former Mr. Olympia talking about the WBF and he was talking about the contract pay scales and he was talking mm. about like these are six figure deals these guys are getting whereas like Mr. Olympia in the year before this became out made $66,000 for winning Mr. Olympia Vince is coming in offering guys hundreds of thousands of dollars like their champion mm. is getting $400,000 a year Zook is getting like $250,000 a year like right. Vince just coming in like what paying is, all these guys tons of money. So I'm imagine, magic making. I'm very curious about all of. I have no idea, but <laughs> I'm I'm betting though because all these guys aren't used to having so much money. They're probably just paying for all their cousins to fly in to watch this <laughs> WBF championship show. Come see me compete, you know. Yeah, come come watch me get oiled up and pose in my underwear. Um, yeah, but I love how it is this. It's this weird. It's not wrestling, but this is produced like any other WWE pay-per-view in 1992. Yes. Like, full-on, even with, like, the Vince McMahon screaming over graphics for the first, like, two minutes. I hadn't thought about that fact of it. It's like but... the Royal Rumble. It's the same thing. It's like, he just starts, Black Roger Aaron Baker. You know, it's like just, <laughs> true, now, still a motto. Just because I want to be down, now, did you have anything else? I, I looked up a little bit of information on like the creation of the WBF. Have you read well, any I mean, of that? 
Yeah. Oh, I mean, I've watched. Yeah, I watched a few actually pretty decent videos about kind of like the history of this thing and like the where we are here in '92. Yeah, is a complete 180 from 91. Like well, they not a hundred percent though. Like Bobby Heenan was part of the first show. Well, but, I just mean like it was a, it was a much more stripped down version, gotcha. much less WWE extravaganza and more of like a real sports event kind of a feel. Okay. And Vince was just kind of like, you know what? It's not really catching on. Let's just go full, you know, <laughs> that, give it that WWE touch. And that's what they do they had, here. And they so had Regis Philbin on the first one. Like instead right, of which, Mean Gene, you had Regis Philp, like who at 1992 is like oh, America's man. Like. Oh, that's a big get. Yeah, no, I mean it had a much more of a legitimate feel the previous year. Yeah, and at this well, point they are just swinging for the fences. And I also I just didn't know before I started reading the Wikipedia and stuff about like the backstory of the way that like the the bodybuilding world was dominated by these two guys <laughs> that ran the IFBB, yes. the International Federation of Bodybuilding. And they and ran they the just, big show. Uh, they ran the Mr. Olympia. Yeah. They were the guys yep. in town. And they were very much like like old wrestling promoters. They're very territorial. Mm-hmm. They don't want you moving in on their stuff. So this is from the, the from Wikipedia from explaining their, uh, their establishing of this. So mm-hmm. Vince McMahon establishes the World Federation or whatever, like their, the magazine. He establishes the mm-hmm. magazine side. Yep. Just the magazine. a booth at Mr. Olympia's contest. Uh-huh. And then has Tom Platts come in, who has been unbeknownst to everyone else in cahoots with Vince. Mm-hmm. He's up there to give some sort of like, uh, d- distri- like say something, talk about something uh, up uh, on stage, and give a little speech. And it's just mm-hmm. supposed to be about that year's Mister Olympia. He flips the script and starts talking, unbeknownst to the Welder Brothers, the guy that the guys that own everything. Uh, it says mm-hmm. here he said Platts it's used waiting. the platform to announce what he termed the new dawn of body bodybuilding. The Wider brothers were so annoyed with this upstaging that Platts was given a lifetime ban from the IFBB for this. And yeah. at the conclusion of that competition, the booth handed out press releases announcing the WBF's formation. And the press release stated the WBF would revamp professional bodybuilding with dramatic new events and the richest prize money in the history of the sport. It was also mentioned that Tom Platts would be the director of talent development for the organization. So there you go. He was in cahoots and decided to just do that randomly on a, on a show. And if you'd like to hear more about the Weeder Brothers, uh, HBO did an amazing documentary. Really? Well, not amazing. I shouldn't maybe put it, but a docudrama. Like it's a okay. you know, reenactment of their rise and of it. But you know what sucks? This, nothing. Yeah. This is a, I was so disappointed when I, because that's why I was watching it. I was like, oh man, I can't wait till you get the WBS <laughs> stuff. I want to see how, how they portray that. And they're yeah. just like, no, it didn't happen. We're not even going to address uh, it. I was like, ah, oh, you bastards. So, um, yeah. I wonder. But no, so yeah, Vince. Yeah, the story of this coming together is about as shady as it gets because it even goes to the Lex Luger side of things mm-hmm. because Lex Luger left WCW, NWA. They were kind of in the, you know, that fuzzy time there with a no compete that only meant he couldn't wrestle. Yeah. And so Vince hires Lex Luger as a WBF performer. Ah. And, and brings him in and puts him on Body Stars, the weekly yeah. show, as a, as a, one of the hosts there, and is putting him on TV against the non compete with the you know NWA, NWA yeah. because he's not in wrestling. He's huh. you know he's a bodybuilder. And I, I'm curious if because like having him listed as a guest poser 
would mean mm-hmm. he's not competing in it. So even if they wanted to argue that element of it, they were like, we'll get away with that one too because he's not technically even competing. He's just here on camera. Yeah, because I think he. they also had to probably be careful that as impressive as Lex Luger's body is, you know, it would as as shady as this already maybe feels, if he put Lex Luger in the competition, I think all these guys would be like, oh, I'm we're fucked. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> of course it's going to go to the wrestler, you know, so... Oh. So probably, probably why he was just a guest poser. I mentioned that Sean Ray guy talking about the, the, the pay levels. Here's just a little bit. I wanted to play. We'll, we'll embed the video. If you want to watch his whole t- conversation, it's like a nine minute video about the WBF. Um, but he had this to say just about like his being courted for the WBF and his decision ultimately to not, not do it. Lee Haney might've won 60 or $60,000, maybe $70,000 in his seventh, Mr. Olympia win, and here was Vince McMahon offering six-figure contracts to guys that had not even competed in the Mr. Olympia, namely my training partner, Troy Zuccolato, who would go to Stamford, Connecticut prior to my arrival and come back and inform me that he was offered a contract for $250,000 the first year, $275,000 the second year, and mind you, Troy won the Nationals in 89 and had not yet competed as a professional bodybuilder. So when it became my turn to get on that flight and fly there, I had already some leverage in terms of what the numbers would look like for someone of my caliber. The future was bright. I was young. I had the world in the palm of my hand. So when I landed in Connecticut, I got the tour of the facilities. I mean, it's pretty intimidating to walk in and see some of the guys that you've seen on television, life-size figurine dolls and and posters and all kinds of stuff, thinking that maybe this is my future. This is what Vince McMahon wants to do with Sean Ray. I mean, I'd met him and his son Shane at Gold's Gym, and Shane even came up and said I was one of his favorite bodybuilders. So I'm thinking this could be a start of a very long relationship. However, I still had allegiance to Joe and Ben and wanting to become the next Mr. Olympia. Well, Vince McMahon and the WBF basically said everything that you're involved in, this went to Mike Christian and some of the other guys. We will now own and we will manage. We will give you a salary. You'll get a monthly check. It'll be two years running. You'll only have to compete once a year, and you'll make appearances that we deem appropriate for you. They didn't have a farm club, so there was no amateur shows we had to guest pose at. There were no bodybuilding contests we had to attend. We just had to eat, sleep, and train and get that check every month. So by the time I had come home, I received word that they were offering me a contract for $225,000 for year one, $250,000 for year two. And naturally, I would have a mathematical problem because my training partner was offered more and he'd never even competed as a pro bodybuilder. So I had to start weighing the math. So, yeah, so that's a little bit of a background there. I thought that was pretty interesting. I mean, listen, that's just what that's business. I mean, he came yeah. in, offered him more. I mean, I appreciate this guy's integrity, I guess, for the Weeder brothers and mm-hmm. like that allegiance. But it's like everything you're saying how did everybody not sign with the WBF? <laughs> well, ultimately, they were only signing 13. And so oh, that's right. Yeah, that, that's true. there was okay. only a certain number of people that could get in. So like he right. had the advantage of having been an established pro and a name in the mm-hmm. you know organization on magazine covers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he would have that little bit of leverage. But he talks about later on about, you know, he really his main goal was to be Mr. Olympia. That was the, the sure. title he wanted. So he stuck around and did that. But. Yeah, and that makes sense. And you're right. Yeah, that's there's enough prestige to that that I guess it also probably. But yeah, when you guys. talk about that kind of money for two years of just training, yeah. like you don't have right. to do anything except for show up at one show. One show, you don't do the amateur shows. You don't have. So like, <laughs> yeah, it sounds like an okay deal. But you know, also it's on shaky ground because these guys knew. Now it ended up that 
Now, did the, you go ahead? Most of these guys were welcomed back by the you know the IBF. Yeah, but, like they would be coming back, but they wouldn't necessarily do well. Um, according no, to no, you're Sean, not right. But, but and and so that was kind of they knew the risk. But that's also why you look at a lot of these guys, and obviously we'll get into it, you know, momentarily here. Yeah, some of these guys were at the end of their careers. Some of mm-hmm. these guys were too young and wouldn't have probably been making that kind of. So you can understand why they would make that it's, kind of business decision. You know? It feels like you know when you start up like a, a new triple-A ball club or something. It's like, well, we got to get the old guy that's past his prime, but he's got a name, so it'll draw people in. So you've got, like, your 42-year-old well, you, Padillas. Yeah. And, every, every, yeah, every, you know, every minor league team needs a crash. Now, you, you had talked numbers. about the first one being, you know, more sports-based. Here's just a little bit from the Wikipedia about this. So um, in, an, in the lead-up to the first show... He had the WBF Body Stars guys and the WWF Superstars appear on Family Feud episodes against each other mm-hmm. as a, as Which a are great, yeah, big promotion. And then it says this: McMahon brought in top nutritionists who advocated a more keto type diet pre competition, which is high fat, low carb, low protein. And the result left most of their athletes much smoother and less ripped than the competitors had been at the IFBB shows. So that was also an, a negative for their first showing. When you know you have your first big show, your one show of a year, and it just happens that you've been doing something wrong and all your guys look a little bit off. Well, and not just a little bit off in the keto diet. The steroid ban yes. was placed in full effect not long before this event. Yeah. Because Vince McMahon, in the midst of a federal trial about steroids, decided to start a bodybuilding league. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, and that is also apparent, more in some than others, as far as, like, you know, the quality of the talent. Mm-hmm. You know, as, as odd as it might seem, you know, when it comes to the standards usually set at these competitions, a lot of these guys wouldn't even be allowed in the room, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, so that brings us now to the start of this actual show, the second show. And as you mentioned, Tony, we start very much Vince McMahon's favorite, just yelling the names of all the athletes as we see Mm -hmm. close-ups of muscles flashing in between shots of them smiling for the camera. Yep, yeah. Um, Very WWE-feeling open here of a pay-per-view of this time. Vince McMahon is joined by Tom Plants, his right-hand man in this whole ordeal, and Bobby the Brain Heaton. On commentary. Yeah. Um, now, I'm curious because Wikipedia, I think they must have had it wrong because they had it listed as Bobby Heenan being the third announcer with Regis Philbin on the first one. But Bobby mm-hmm. Heenan very clearly is telling us this is his first time he's ever seen a bodybuilding show. So right. I don't yeah, know. He says it a case. lot. Yeah, he says it a lot. Um, Tom also, Plant's prompt. Yep. Where did this hip hop dance troupe go? Like, why did they only show up at the very beginning and not get any? Like, it was just for the live crowd. This dance crew that's behind these yeah. announcers because we don't. They don't come back. We don't see any more of it. They don't. They never give them credit. They're just there. No, nope. they don't want to take them shine away from these athletes. You know, they they're just there <laughs> to keep the crowd pumped up. Uh, Tom Plant's promises unbelievable competition, set changes, and special effects. Oh, it sounds like he like he had bullet points in his head, and he got too excited and just start instead of talking about each bullet point, just starts listing the bullet points. Yeah. Exactly what can we expect here tonight, Tom? Well, this is like one of the most unbelievable bodybuilders in the world, on the face of the earth, for that matter. They're competing in the second annual World Bodybuilding Federation Championship. In fact, we've got Hollywood film and special effects, the major set changes of a major Broadway play. In fact, we've got an unbelievably entertaining event for you tonight. It is an art form combined with a sport. It is the World Bodybuilding Federation. I feel like that is Vince's, like, 
his like thesis statement on this organization is it's an art yeah. form combined with a sport. It's like when I do wrestling. Oh yeah, uh, Plants is great too because he just goes rogue about halfway through this show <laughs> and just starts saying whatever he thinks like <laughs> on his mind, and it never is acknowledged or addressed by Vince. Like they oh, just no. move on. Yep. Oh yeah. Um, it's Bobby kind of fun tells us he's you know we're sold out the seats are jam-packed they're swinging off the rafters and i'm very excited mm-hmm. for this show yeah um, also to tom's special effects comment i will say some more than others the presentation of the athletes is not exactly evenly dispersed <laughs> like yeah this first one is like holy shit this is gonna be insane and then yeah. they're just kind of like yeah that was it yeah, he's the only one that gets extras. We're not going to have extras and all these other guys. I mean, like, there's kind of things coming and going, but this first one sets a standard that I was that the bar was way too high here. You're right. You're right. So we introduce the host of the show, Mean Gene Okerlund, who starts immediately with a bad dad joke about bodybuilding. The joint is jumping, or should I say, pumping here at the bodybuilding championships. <laughs> Oh, That's he says great. it's truly a global event because yeah. Europeans, the UK right. and America, literally the whole world can watch this show. Yeah. And now it's time for nothing but bad news as Gene is just <laughs> yes. going to damn this pay-per-view <laughs> a little bit more than it already has been. Uh, I know we promised you 13 athletes, but unfortunately, uh, the Phoenix Chris is something dead. is getting better from pneumonia and thus will not be competing. Also, <laughs> go ahead. I mean, listen, the the level of health and I, for one of these people to have pneumonia is like, yeah. what the hell were you doing, man? Like <laughs> red line in the, the, the body, man. Um, I guess. Also, we regret to inform you that a man that we didn't really promote to be here as a surprise, <laughs> I think, isn't going to be here. So Lex Luger wasn't scheduled to compete, but he right. was going to be a guest poser. And now he's not even going to do that. And the Lex Luger stuff is just really weird. Did he really wreck a motorcycle? Yeah. Oh, it's legit. Like okay. it, this kind of screwed up like his entire run, maybe. Gotcha. You know, uh, just because of the delay with everything. But the Lex Luger thing is so strange to me because if you are if you are uh, you love bodybuilding, yeah. Like there'll be Sky Sports commercials for Muscle, you know, and Fitness Week on yeah. their channel apparently. So like, I mean, if this is your Love you love to watch professional bodybuilding. You don't give a shit about Lex Luger. You don't know who he is necessarily, <laughs> and you definitely don't care about him healing out on like the whole competition. Yes, before things even get started from his hospital bed. This, for God's sake, like when you when it's just so funny. Also, like how much this and the first run of the XFL like are you see the same right. beats? You see like right. we tried to do it sports like. Vince gets frustrated. He injects wrestling into it. And like they try to do yeah. sports like Vince got frustrated. And then this is the most wrestling segment. We've got a camera at his bedside in the hospital. And he is going to be also have a live like communication device. And he's going to talk to us about how shitty all these people are and how great he is. Yep. Now, I will say from a professional wrestling standpoint, heel Lex Luger it's good is stuff. great. Yeah, and is they never should have turned away from this path because even Narcissus, yeah. and that initial, it's it's who he is, it's who he's best at being, and if they had just let him embrace that, I think it could have been he could have been a great heel because this shit is outstanding oh, from yeah. a professional wrestling standpoint. 
yeah. from a professional bodybuilding competition standpoint, what is this doing here? You know. So Lex in full character mode, he's complaining about his room, and then Gene asks him about the th- show. But Lex is is speaking in a weird cadence where he's doing the like walk-in style, where instead of pausing where there's punctuation in your sentence, <laughs> you pause in the middle of the next phrase, whatever that next Listen, phrase is after that, the punctuation. It, 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 it's called lugering, all right? And it's just how he does things. Well, it <laughs> results in uh, some bad phrasing here. I am feeling a little bit better, a little scraped up. Not 100% yet, but I shouldn't. I'm in a hospital, for God's sakes. But what I do feel is a gigantic collective sigh of relief from all the WBF superstars combined that me, Lex Luger, won't be there guest posing tonight because if i was obviously i would blow them all <laughs> and and that's where the the, the little the, this is a bad time for a breath in your sentence lex <laughs> you're not wrong because he wrong. finishes it right after that because if i was obviously i would blow them all right off the stage but i do feel <laughs> an obligation however to all the millions of fans tuned in those there right off the stage i was like what what was that lex jesus i i don't know but it's amazing he talks about his bedpan which of course gets a giggle from the child vince mcmahon <laughs> um or maybe it was well, gene gene laughs like, as well eh. okay i was like bedpan humor is vince's like you know bread and butter there uh but yeah no this is you know He's, a great pro wrestling promo but it, it's so strange here and it's also it just it doesn't feel like it fits in the show because we have gene the host who's introducing each guy that's going to come out and we go to this and like they fade away. Like he's still talking and we just fade okay. out of it. And like it was planned to be that way. Cause that's what it was, but it doesn't feel like that's not the way a sports event would be. He, we would ask him to stop speaking or say, <laughs> we got to go. But yeah. Gene says, well, we sympathize with you. I, I can't imagine how a gold cold bedpan would ever feel good. And that was his, right. his add on joke. Yeah, I'm betting it was probably just pre-taped and he wasn't he couldn't hear anything. Probably, probably. So yeah, <laughs> uh he says here comes our first competitor and I guess we'll do this our uh, this style. I I don't know that I have the numbers all right, but number 1 for today, yeah. Major Guns Eddie Robinson. And Tony like you said, this guy gets some production that some of these other guys do not get. No. No, this dude gets a <laughs> full on like first of all, something that I will be emphasizing and yelling about throughout the show is we see his muscles. Immediately, we are seeing his body and his muscles, which is yeah. something else that they will sometimes do better than others when it's like this is a bodybuilding <laughs> competition. Yeah. Maybe we should just be focusing on anyways. Um, but he's full on Rambo, putting the gun in his boot holster, and you know he's all camouflaged up. Brain, which I'm sure got a glare from Vince because there's not much talking afterwards in any of the other ones. Yeah. Things. Like, he looks like a one-man SWAT team. <laughs> this is like going on. No one says anything. Nope. Uh, and then like the theme throughout the night is like you'll get the video package kind of telling the character's story. Yeah. And then at some point there'll be like an emergence through Transition, the door. Yeah. Like, they'll exit the video and they'll enter onto the stage. And it's kind of you know it's, it's I don't yeah. know much about this, but it's a pretty it's a pretty good moment for some of these guys more than others as far as it kind of like sure. getting a pop from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. Well, this one ends weirdly because he turns, he puts the gun together, and then just fires at the camera 
bah, 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 bah. I was like, he killed that cameraman. Actually, <laughs> that has been confirmed. But yeah, the curtain raises, the doors open. Here comes Eddie Robinson holding a massive machine gun, and totally. the announcer Tom says, "Well, that's a different entrance." And I was like, "Oh boy, if he's, uh, you know, I was like, what's he in for this ride tonight? Like, how much does he know what's coming up?" Um, so he's firing shots at random bad guys, ninjas that are running in, and they go down, and like fireworks go off around the arena. Yeah, I mean, like full on, like in the balcony, shooting people like down this to the is, floor. Like it's this is uh, what's the what's the the Universal Studios stunt show? Like that's what right, this feels yep. like. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then because I was like at this point, what's this? Is this how this is all going to be? And now he does eventually. <laughs> put the gun down and actually poses. Well, so. yeah, the, the, the transition there also made me laugh because he sets the gun down, steps around <laughs> it, takes two, and then a, a curtain comes down, the music gets yeah. serious, and we're like, now we're mm-hmm. on to the real competition. Here's the other secret. It's not even part of the real competition. They're going to talk no. all about how everything's been prejudged earlier today, and we've <laughs> this is just mm-hmm. nonsense for the television that we're doing. Um, yeah, they poked in, yeah, they poked in proud of these guys like it was a 4-H show earlier in the night <laughs> and had them... Pretty much determined everything, and this is all just, you know, for us, basically. So this um, starts very slow with just various poses, and he's doing it to the music. And then when the music kicks up, that's when Vince gets excited. But this, I'm just going to play for you, like, this is a Vince supercut for his entire evening here, this, this guy's presentation. So here's Vince losing his mind over Eddie. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen, again, Eddie Robinson really getting it. Ah, oh, it, Like, a couple of my favorite things about this entire production is I love the, like, music drops. Like, everybody's got a point in their show where the music either, like, picks up or my favorite is when the music slows down and we, like, (laughs) we slow jam pose, which happens a few times. I also love the encores. Like, I, I thought for a couple of them, I was like, oh, some of these guys, like, taking some liberties here i wonder how they and then i realized no it's you're, you're supposed to go out there and play like yes. the two songs you didn't play during your concert <laughs> and mean gene will even yell at gary stridham later in the night when i think he tries to not take his encore oh routine. there's only one guy that doesn't take an encore and it's just because they like cut to the break right away and i don't know what what happened but oh yeah he's not he wasn't that impressive anyway so but yeah dude, no, this i'm is, sitting here watching this not knowing mm-hmm. what exactly we're getting into this because, mm-hmm. you know, you just threw at me. We're doing a bodybuilding show. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. it's Vince McMahon. It'll be interesting. And as right. I'm watching, like, my notes are like, all right, he talks about how crazy the muscles are. And then I was like, how long does this go? Like, how long does he just stand here and keep, like, eventually it starts to get a bit repetitive. Like, they're doing yeah. the same poses. I think five minutes okay. at least probably. I don't know. That would make sense. They don't ever tell us a time limit. It's just like the song plays, and then it drops out enough for Gene to go, Eddie Robinson, and then the song picks up again for the encore, and then they leave. Yeah, so he another thing I love on this show is Tom Platts, and I mentioned it earlier, like with his honest feelings at times. Yes. Because Vince is, as you heard, 
just losing his mind and flat at some point like, well, I've seen him sharper in the past. <laughs> it's just like, would you shut the fuck up, Tom Platts? Oh, because, yeah, Vince acts like it is the best thing he's ever seen. Oh. Everybody is the best thing he's ever seen. Platts, like you said, sharper in the past. And then, mm-hmm. like, he starts attacking ninjas again. He shoots a few more yeah. of them. Stuntmen are falling all over. And finally, I'm just like, the other guy gets the message. Like, Platts gets the message. And, like, mm-hmm. for some reason, that stunt, I guess, enough was enough glaring from Vince while that was happening that he was like, <laughs> oh, this is unbelievable. This is fantastic. This is what, what an yeah. amazing performance. I think that I like to think that he didn't know about any of these, like, entrances. <laughs> Because it makes his reactions a lot more fun. Because just about every one of these, he has a line of some sort, of like, "Oh yeah, oh, wow, what an entrance that was," or you know, something <laughs> like. He can't oh. believe it. But yeah, so he finally yeah. leaves, and it's then time for Mean Gene to take us directly to Top Guns. Yeah, number two in our uh, bodybuilding championship here, it's the Jet Man, which <laughs> needs to be a radio DJ name. <laughs> the Jet Man, Tony Pearson. Oh. With his uh, full-on taking advantage of the popularity of Top Gun from a few years previous. Oh, yeah, Top Gun. And as we talked and, about, the Iron Eagle franchise has been happening yeah. since then. And and this is one of the first ones. There's another one that I can't wait to talk about in a second that's funnier. But this is a bodybuilding competition. What do we spend three minutes doing here? Watching some stunt pilot video. <laughs> Flying around, literally having a dogfight with yeah. other planes. Oh, and this man is in a full bodysuit, completely covering him. Yes, full bodysuit. You can't see his face. I mean, obviously, I think it's yeah, him on the set that they're shooting him on. You oh, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. in between the cuts from this Iron Eagle right. episode two footage right. that they're using. But yeah. the, I loved like the music to this. And tensions are high. The the pre-flight stuff's funny too. When he's talking to the lady, that I don't know exactly what her title is, but they're using all this like big word like Lingo. jargon for yeah. flying, and like your fuel gauge checks out, and security has been permitted. You know, like just all this. Shit. It's like oh, it's oh, amazing. But yeah, it's like three minutes long. The jet man finally shoots down the bogey, and then comes out through the entrance. Um. He killed those people, by the way, folks. Yeah. Like, this man just shot down. I don't know who they were. They were unidentified as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. They're dead now, and, and here he comes to, po- to pose in his underwear. Yes. Um, the Jet Man has an extremely thick upper back, like so much so that I have... This man looks like a battle toad on Earth. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. but I still thought he was more impressive than some of these guys later that they... Falling oh, over. I absolutely agree. And this guy is like one of those where I thought this was for sure a guaranteed in the top five. Vince <laughs> is, is shouting is the, as yeah. he comes out about how completely, totally drug free. And he's obsessed <laughs> with that. Um, talks about how, you know, if James Brown is the hardest working man in showbiz, then this is the hardest working man in bodybuilding. Yeah. I, this is also the one I noticed. I was like, hmm, not quite an Eddie Robinson display here though because i was like what's True. his entertainment factor because he is just <laughs> straight into posing yeah um and then we begin zooming in on what i thought was his crotch i was like okay but no no this guy has like a secret <laughs> he's got ability. a gimmick yeah he's got a, like a, a trick up his sleeve oh. as he 
just I don't know sucks his stomach completely in. Yes, like it's, I guess it's impressive. It's kind of gross looking too. Well, yeah, he sucks it in, and then like the big joke of it, I guess, is that like he then shoves, you know, flexes his muscles and pushes it out, and uh, and it's. It's weird, but Vince like nuts in his pants over it, and oh yeah, it is part of this again supercut of Vince reacting to the Jetman. Now here, Thomas playing over Gran Cena. Send up Tony Pearson back. You be shot. His trademark. Oh, wait a minute. His brace has disappeared. Whoa. It's like a sinkhole. That's <laughs> 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 that's the sound Vince makes. When he ejaculates, folks. I'm sorry we had to bring that to your attention. And there's rap um, music playing, and they announced that this man recorded his own Jetman rap and is actually singing the music that we're listening to while he flexes. I'm pretty sure we get another one of these later in the show, because we get another great like rap of somebody that like uses their name. I can't remember who it is. But it, <laughs> there is. I think there's, I think there's more of that. Um, yeah, Platts also has the nerve to say that he's just as good as Gary Stridham. Which I'm imagining got another like stomp on the foot from Vince McMahon, like while oh, they're yeah. at the commentary table. Oh, because like this is another one where like at first Platt seems like he's kind of like the first guy. Well, he's not quite as sharp, but like he really gets <laughs> into this guy, and yeah. you really hear it. But Heenan talks about this man and eating meals. He's my favorite to win. You said that earlier. Yeah, but I, I think he, I think it's him now. I gotta go with Tony, my good buddy. And so yeah, he's he's a big yeah. fan of Tony. Um, Bobby, me and Bobby. But I apologize. Earlier, that was just the clip of him with the rah, 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 losing his mind. Here's the actual supercut of Vince, and you'll hear that I love it, I love it moment as well. Jesus, man, man, it's it's uh, outstanding, outstanding. Um, oh. And I, I would say with all of these, it hits a point, And that's why the encores are really obnoxious, because <laughs> it, it, like about a minute into this every time, it's like, all right, that's good. Yep. Because they just and some look more like unsure than others when it comes to like filling their time. Mm hmm. Some frolic a little bit, which kind of cracks me up later on, and like I don't know. Oh, it's it's just like I don't know. Yeah, with when the Platts got into it with the I love it, I love it. I was like, it was literally just another pose that looked the same as kind of the last three poses, but he lost his yeah. mind for that one. Um, yeah. But then we get a promo for muscle, another muscle bodybuilding pr- program, Muscle Night on Sky Sports. Mm-hmm. Saturday is Muscle Night on Sky Sports. And you can see a selection of triceps, biceps, deltoids, and traps as the athletes pump, oil, and dance their bodies to be overall winner. Watch Muscle Night, Saturday at 10, on Sky Sports. I just didn't know this was programming that ever existed. <laughs> no idea. Yeah, um, let, yeah let, let Tony here tell you all a little story about a time before pornography. 
And why something like this probably had why gone, Baywatch sorry, was huge, yeah. why Muscle right. Night was yes. huge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So anyways, anyways, we we won't dwell on that because we've got a controversy, DP. Our next our next person was supposed to be Mike Quinn. Oh my god. But in a case of mistaken identity, he was arrested and taken downtown. But don't worry. <laughs> the camera crews for WBF were allowed to tag along. <laughs> I just have, what is happening here? This is the first one, because like before it was like, you know, this guy's a pilot. This guy's, you know, into <laughs> yeah. this sort of thing. He's a big shooter, but like this guy comes out, he's he's escaping from the LAPD. So yeah, we see the incarceration of the mighty Mike Quinn, who is our third entrant here. Uh, Quinn has a British Bulldog style balding braids situation going on, or maybe it's the lighting. I'm not 100% sure. Um, yeah. This is also one of the first guys where it's like, yeah, the lack of uh, lack of steroids has had an impact. Yeah, it's like, oh, you look deflated because there's not as much stuff underneath your skin anymore. Right. Yeah, he, he's in a straight jacket inside of a cell, and mm-hmm. he yells, it's body time, and breaks out of the straight jacket. <laughs> and through the jail bars, he beats up the yeah. guard and then runs yeah. off screaming about yeah. it being body time. This guy is the most pro wrestling, I think, of probably the whole group. <laughs> I was so surprised. Like, I expected to see a few of these guys and be like, oh, that's this guy that showed up eventually in pro wrestling. Like, how did Vince no. not even convince any of these guys to, to try out, uh, you know, training for pro wrestling? I mean, maybe they were just all so stiff that, that you know, it be. wouldn't have been worth the time. Because, yeah, it is kind of amazing that, you know, a couple of these guys at least didn't, you know, make a run or something. Because this guy feels like he is trying out to be a wrestler. With, right. with his whole gimmick. Yeah. But yeah, he just yeah. comes running in through the crowd as he escaped oh, yeah. the L.A. penitentiary. Well, well, yeah, did you mention? Yeah, he tears the door off of his jail cell and then yeah. kills a police officer, mm-hmm. mind you. This is another segment featuring death of people. <laughs> um, and then I just love that <laughs> he strips to his underwear and runs out of the prison. <laughs> it's body time. It's amazing. Oh, yeah. So he comes up then begins stalking around the stage for his various poses. Um, he's lip syncing to the music and it's terribly done. Oh man. But the music does take a funky turn, which is great. Oh yeah. And he lips and he lip syncs a song about himself. Yeah. Vince says Quinn brings his family everywhere. And he, cause he's talking about the big reaction the crowd's giving. And the other announcer, Tom Platt says he turns on audiences wherever he goes. I'm like, turns on audiences. Great. Great job guys. Yeah, uh, he's a psycho through and through. Class <laughs> chuckled about that, and now he has backup but, dancers. Like, like so, like, real quick, like you said, yeah. he's a psycho through and through. He keep, like Platts is giving the like gimmick selling, but immediately mm-hmm. he's talking about how. But he looks soft this year. He's much softer <laughs> than last year because it's undeniable. You know what I mean? Like, there's no getting around it. Oh. Um, yeah, but again, unfair performance advantage here we get backup dancers nobody you know i didn't see the Jetman get backup dancers no you're right but uh, i mean the Jetman got footage of, of a jet they couldn't afford to that's true. bring in that's true. yeah brain says he's gonna take his shirt off yeah yeah if that's what taking your shirt off gets you i want to be involved um and yeah they begin dancing and as the music breaks down that's when we get this moment from vince Definitely. <laughs> He's the the bad boy of bodybuilding. 
Most definitely. Um, but uh oh, the cops are here because yeah, this man escaped from prison, mm-hmm. and uh, he just three stooges them, just bangs their heads together. Yeah, and, double uh, coconuts, and walks away. So now and, he's a fugitive. And as he walks away, Bobby Heenan with a very you know sensitive comment says, uh, "Yeah, he's on his way to bimbo heaven." <laughs> what is that? <laughs> No one knows. No oh. one knows. But then Quinn comes back out, and oh, that's that was just before the police officers. Apologies. Right. So yeah. Then then he, he leaves. <sighs> so now we go to our fourth competitor. It's the rock and roll wild child, David Dearth. <laughs> and this was the one that was uh, even worse than the Jetman when it came to my feelings <laughs> about the video. <laughs> so it's what it, it's fine. It is what it is. You know, we yeah. see some ladies. Walk into the bar with live music. They see the poster outside. Um, and then and they, he is... Yeah, go ahead. They see the poster that is promising the rock and roll wild child, David Durth. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. go into the club. The band is already playing. Yeah, the band's already playing. And then he is introduced on the stage <laughs> and plays some guitar. But it's not a solo. Nope. This in this unnamed band. Later, we would find out they're called Angel something, Bad Angels. The Bad Angels here. <laughs> Vince tells us later. But the camera is just shot like a music video. Yeah. And honestly, they don't show him all they, that much. He's he's always like the entire time we're looking at the lead singer, and then like yeah. Dearth is off to the side, like halfway on camera. The entirety like, of this. And yeah, it's just this terrible generic rock song. But my favorite thing is he then, after one song, Dearth hands off the guitar, leaves mm-hmm. the stage, and the women all chase after him as the band continues their concert that they're holding. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the whole band here. Yeah. The, yeah, there are Black Crows. I, I love how they're very much Black Crows ripoff. Um, every shot should be of the guitarist with his shirt off playing the guitar. Yeah. Every, the only time I shouldn't be seeing him is if you're showing me the ladies in the crowd reacting to him. Probably, yeah. That would make sense. I was just like, why are you showing me this scrawny Chris Robinson wannabe? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway, but it's hilarious. I mean, it's amazing. So then as he's walking away from the stage, he's mobbed by these women who then begin to rip his clothes off, which rip him down to his bodybuilding thong thingy. And here comes David Dearth. As he comes through the stage door, he grabs a guitar Oh, doesn't man. even attempt to strum, but sparks begin flying out of the end of it. He poses with it, acts like it is, it's his dick, and then mm-hmm. the announcer, Tom Platt, says, he's rock hard. He's on tonight, according to Tom Platt. Ugh. Yeah, it's straight up like spark sputer from the end of the gun here. It's, it's a guitar, I mean, it's amazing. Um, but then... I will say, when I, he does the thing that I thought was the most impressive thing that any of these men do on stage. With mm-hmm. he somehow in the middle of like performing here, 
Like he's he's in his he's in a bodybuilding outfit. I didn't notice that he had like a scrunchie or anything on his in his hand. Like mm-hmm. he puts the guitar down, throws his hand up behind his head, and suddenly his entire hair is in a ponytail. I was like, and then he's just still posing. I was like, that was the most fluid thing I've seen, and the most impressive, probably thing talent wise that we've had tonight. Try why he does as well as he does. Um, yeah, and he like I was mentioning earlier does the thing. He slows things down now. The rock portion <laughs> is over. We get some slow posing. Oh, with that he does, shitty early '90s keyboard music just playing mm-hmm. in the background. He does the uh, slow spin thing like Chris Masters without an actual spinning platform, which cracks me up. Like he just <laughs> physically spins himself around, he's barely moving his feet so that it looks like he's not. And Platts literally says the sentence: "Amazing, he could do that without any steroids." Yes. And Vince says nothing, and, and we just move on. And like. So he says that Bobby Heenan makes a quick joke, which feels like Bobby Heenan knows. Let's not say anything about mm-hmm. this. But even after that, Vince doesn't respond to Bobby Heenan's joke. So I pulled Bobby Heenan's joke out of the audio. But otherwise, mm-hmm. this is just the joke. And then the silence that Vince leaves before he finally speaks. I think he's had a hard time with the transition to the steroid freak. That's actually later. We haven't quite gotten to Mike. Christian oh, okay. Yet. I apologize. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, he wants no part of that. Um, but yeah, so that's that wraps things up for uh, David Deerth. Then we go to our fifth competitor. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the the next competitor here, Mike Christian. I don't know how my audio for that got so far up. Um, yeah. Yeah, Mean Gene calls him the Iron Man who's been forging the way for years. He's known for being armed and dangerous, which I thought was yes. an odd introduction. Yeah, I thought that was weird too. But yeah, Mike Christian is this number five, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the Iron yep. Warrior, Mike Christian, and I'm like, oh, Iron Warrior is in like a blacksmith because we go to video, which is yeah. of all the guys to complain, man, this guy gets no love. Like this video oh, is yeah. of. A, a blacksmith, maybe him. I don't know. You don't ever tell. And most of the time, we're just looking at <laughs> molten pouring metal into other industrial elements, and then they just go to the stage. It was like, well, that wasn't a whole lot. Because I think it's him being molded. <clears throat> oh, that's is what the like, idea. Is implied okay. here. Yeah, but no, you're right. It's yeah. As far as the video goes, he ain't even in the freaking video. <laughs> like it's <laughs> oh. And yeah, the the video never even showed the man, but then we go to the stage where the forging is complete and a mold opens and out steps the Iron Warrior. And literally, and he takes two steps before Tom Platt says he's off. Yeah, literally, like two <laughs> steps and Tom Platt sees a little flat and a little off. And I thought, I was like, man, they're just shitting on this guy. And uh, yeah, we get some dance music posing from him as well. He's not really much for the dancing. He's... Dude, his Straight dancing up. is so half-hearted. Like, it mm-hmm. is, oh. He doesn't want to do it. Platts is on this guy's ass again. Says his body is a little soft. It's like, man, like, Tom Platts got something out against the Iron Warrior here. Heenan, of course, says, well, this guy's my pick, which he's been doing for each person, by the way. Um, yes. And Vince again says, well, what happened to the last guy? And he's like, I, this guy looks better than the last guy. Um Vince says that he this guy hasn't improved since last year when Heenan says that that was his pick. And Tom Platt says, well, as this goes on, he does start to look a little better and better. It's like his body's getting harder as we go through this. And I was like, this is awful. (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, they literally, this is probably the, <clears throat> the yeah. hardest guy they're on the whole show. Again, Tom Platt says he's had a hard time with the transition to steroid free. <laughs> yep, that's true. <clears throat> yes, it is. And he waves. He gets his name said and comes out for another encore pose down. Again, it feels half-hearted at this point. It, and it, it, this is the point when I realized that these athletes, these these men, have already learned at least some of the reaction, or they must know the top five already or something, yeah. because mm-hmm. the ones that aren't in the top five, other than Danny Padilla, are putting in so much less effort for their like presentation pose downs here. Absolutely. Oh, and, and it's obvious, and I can't remember. Somebody spoils it later. Yeah, it's, it's Padilla because he says Padilla like says, he's being inter- interviewed by Mean Gene and he says, and I almost did win it. And then like <laughs> smiles at the camera and it's like, what was that? <laughs> right. Because uh, apparently this is already <clears throat> the fix is in. Uh, we go to our sixth competitor and it is time for my pick. I was very sad that he didn't win. It's the giant killer himself, <laughs> Danny Padilla. Who we'd find out later is like 41 years old, which also just oh, blew my mind. I just love Mean Gene saying, folks, you don't know Jack. And then Vince laughs hilariously. And it's like, wait, his name isn't Jack something? Oh, okay. Yeah. No. Um, yeah, because we go to a full-on Jack and the Beanstalk reenactment video. Yeah. We get the fairy tale music. We see a kingdom crudely pasted into the background as in walking is Danny there's, Padilla in this ridiculous outfit. There's nothing better than when <laughs> he walks up to the beware of giant sign <laughs> and he just looks, breaks the fourth wall, looks at the camera, and like shrugs his shoulders. He like waves it off, like, eh, I'm not worried yeah. about no giants. Nah, yeah, exactly. He would give us another Halpert later um, <laughs> after the giant confronted him, and he just stomps well, on its toe. Yeah, he stomps on the giant's foot. The giant falls down, and then he turns to the camera and says this. What'd you expect? That's why they call me the giant killer. And he walks off. That's it. So here comes giant killer Danny Padilla, and we hear a giant laughing in the like in the over the PA system, and he comes out looking for the giant. And we see these giant mushrooms surrounding him on the stage, but again, it's not nearly as much presentation or performance as what the gun guy will got. Uh, but Vince says he's forty one years old and he's drug free, and this is what being drug free can do for you, kids. And Vince pays no attention at all to the fact that uh, these guys got as big as they are with roids and then have transitioned to not performing with roids. So, okay. Um, hey, you know. He dances a lot, does a lot of like the like samba move where you put your hand mm-hmm. over your stomach and move back and forth. <laughs> um, and they talk up how he's 41 years old over and over again, but they say he's much better than last year, and Vince is just loving it. Oh, yeah. Look at that double bicep. 41 years old, ladies and gentlemen. That's what you can do. If you're drug-free and you're 41 years old, this is the example. Now, here we go. Danny's starting to rock. Yeah. Getting into it. Ooh, yeah. Danny Padella. Look at this. Turning on the charm. Turning on that personality. Go for it, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> go for it, Danny. Yeah, um, so Danny gets a Mean Gene interview as he's wrapping things up here. What decides who gets to talk to Mean Gene? Well, this one makes more sense than I feel like there's one later that there's no no payoff because yeah. he's getting interviewed. And this is when he claims that he almost won, and Vince very nervously does like, <laughs> ha maybe he did. 
Like this guy's also one of the smaller guys on the the roster, but they uh-huh. also have Mean Gene standing on a platform above him. So like it's the opposite of WWE right. interviews where Mean Gene is towering over this man. Right. Um, but now, oh no! In runs the giant from his intro video. Um, <laughs> you know, coming after him while he's talking, and he just beats him up and even steals his hat. Yep. So there you go. And then he leaves. <laughs> so, Danny Padilla. Oh, Danny Padilla or Padilla. Um, so this is the point where my notes start devolving into, did they have the real competition backstage and then just do this for the cameras? Yep. <laughs> so Maybe next- more on that later. They'll literally show us later that that's exactly what happened. Oh, yeah. Is this number seven next? Yes, our seventh competitor, the man that some people call a cyborg, DP. Yes, he's part man, part robot, says Gene, and he's not sure about that, but one thing is for sure... <laughs> He doesn't buy his suits off the rack. What? what does that mean? It's Jim Quinn, the future of bodybuilding. The guy that gets screwed as far as this show goes, in my opinion. Probably, yeah. I think this is Mike Quinn's younger brother. I don't know if they're related at all. But um, we get a graphic video <laughs> of... He's making shit up. Computer lines and words, like, you know, initiate and sequence showing up on the screen. It reminded me a lot of the weird science creation sequence. Yeah, there you go. It's just a lot of close-ups of different parts of the body. But, um, but yeah, then here he comes, and at, in the video, he's got a very interesting mullet-ponytail combination, but he just lets the mullet down for his actual uh, performance here. But there are multiple actors now, lots of smoke, and Vince says, Oh, they must be creating the perfect human form. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite Vince lines, too, in this was. Look at this mass. <laughs> oh, and he says, yes, this must be the future of bodybuilding. And out comes Jim Quinn. Heenan says, this is my pick, Mr. McMahon. He's got He's going to take it all. Yeah. Vince's like, shut up. We called him the future for a reason. We got to sell yes. tickets to the rematch. Oh, here. goodness. You're probably right. Um, yeah. Platt says this dude's the strongest he's ever seen. He shows off body parts as the song says various parts to it, like mm-hmm. this. Abdominal. Oh, look at the abdominal. My yeah, back. The running back. What he didn't tell you was the quarterback of the team was Richard Simmons. I don't believe so. Five step. I heard. I don't even know what that is. Oh, yeah. I have no idea what the Richard Like, what is that? <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I love Heenan, but that I, that joke <laughs> fell flat. Uh, eventually, though, he finally kind of drops the Terminator act and you know goes into pose mode. Yeah, he's kind of dancing to the music. In yeah. my untrained eyes, I felt like this guy probably was the best. Well, Bobby Heenan says this is one of the greatest shows he's ever seen while he's in the middle of posing <laughs> and dancing. Vince mm-hmm. says this is vintage Jim Quinn, which I was like, oh, man, this guy's going to win. He called it vintage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is yeah, only was, his second professional show, we're told. Yeah, he was top five last year. And uh, Platts, though, would damn him with another one of his fucking hot takes, says his waist is a little wide. Yes. Like, excuse me? What does that mean? Like, I, I didn't I didn't know that that was, because I think that's the weird part about something. Like, the waist thing to me is, yeah. we don't need to have you back there with, like, a corset tied up tight, like, you know, mm-hmm. collapsing your innards or something. <laughs> 
Oh, but yeah, but after he's told, we're talked about the, the waist being a little wide, that's when Vince jumps back in with, and he's doing it v- drug free. And I'm like, this guy is the last man that you can claim built this drug free. Like he used steroids to get here. He might not have used them when you tested him for the last year, but he did before that. Yeah, he's still, yeah, exactly. He looks like he's got a little bit of an advantage probably. Um, we get another muscle night commercial for Sky Sports. And now let's meet the judges. I know we've all been dying to know who are the people that make these decisions. And, and will we ever hear of the numbers that these judges give or any of the metrics that they actually use? No, they'll talk generically no. here about the prejudging, but like we never get like an official like standings based on points. It's just these five were announced to move on. Yeah. Yes. Dave Draper, one of our judges, tells us this isn't only a contest of muscle, mentioning the entertainment factor that we're watching now. But we do see footage, and this is when I just felt defied. Yeah. Defiled. Symmetry round and compulsory rounds of the competition took place earlier today. And those are really the only rounds that matter. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. At least to real bodybuilding competitors. Right. Yeah. Uh, Pete Grimkowski, another one of our judges that, by the way, we're just told their names. I don't know what their backgrounds are, what their qualifications they kind of just like dudes that, yeah you know with uh yeah he likes this style of judging though says it's fair <laughs> is it fair is it fair grimkowski to lie to the audience oh. that basically everything we're taking part in right now doesn't and, matter and when we come back vince like acts like well yeah that happened but it's not a big deal he's like he's like and did indeed pre-judging was something else and then says that it's it's been, but it's been a war out here and I'm just like, oh, okay. Vin- Vince very clearly does not give a shit about like the real side of the comp- com- competition part of this. Um, <laughs> no, because it's Vince. I mean, yeah. that's not a surprise to anybody. You know, he's it's the glitz and the glamour. Um, but then Tom yeah. Platts just full out lies and says, "Yeah, these guys were banging into each other earlier. I thought they were going to suddenly start wrestling during that prejudging time." And Heenan goes, "Oh, these athletes hate each other." And I'm like, "They what is why would these athletes yeah. need to hate each other?" Yeah. Brain literally <laughs> says they want to kill each other. <laughs> I was like, oh, that just man. feels like something that he like the line he randomly pulls out on primetime when he doesn't have something else to say. Right. Uh, but that takes us to our eighth competitor, Mean Gene introduces a man with European charm. Yes. And he makes James Bond look like Barney Fife. It's oh. the flexing Dutchman, Barry DeMay. Yeah. Yeah, he calls him a lady killer as well. Um, yeah. He's got that continental charm and European good looks. Yeah. Uh, here's his one flaw. This man is void of anything resembling charisma or personality. <laughs> So his video, we go to the Hilton Flamingo Casino and we see pictures of lights and and chips and other casino signs. And then we learn there's a guy playing roulette and it's Demay and he wins and a woman walks up and says, you know, oh, looks like you've been lucky. And (laughs) this, by the way, is the most ridiculous, I think, of any of these videos. Because, folks, we are about to watch a literal mini-movie about this guy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, she goes, well, hopefully I'll be lucky for you, and, like, puts her arm on his shoulder, and he wins again. And uh, so, yeah, 
you seem very lucky, hopes to bring luck, whatever. She he saddles up to him, he wins, and then she offers him her room key and says to try this for luck. Yes. From and, her cleavage. Yes. Demay looks into the camera and winks, and then <laughs> I just have this is ridiculous. We go to the hotel room. Right. Because that's what I thought. I was like, okay, like that's a perfect place to stop. Like, oh man, he's a ladies' man. Great, good for him. Yeah. No, no. We've got to go red shoe diaries with this shit now. <laughs> Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so we we go to her hotel room. I, I literally have my notes here with exclamation points. This video is still going. Like I just keep waiting for it to end. <laughs> nope, the porno sax fires up in the background. They dance. I'm like, okay, again, like, uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is fine. Um, I have my notes here. How is he going to come to the stage at this point? She takes his clothing off. <laughs> Down to and, the, you know, uh, what everybody else has been wearing. Right, yeah, down to his speedo here for the performance. Um, and then he leaves her in bed and walks out the door, which is, of course, you know. The door to door the stage. Door to the stage. <laughs> and this, and Platts immediately, again, some people get better treatment than others. Platts, as soon as this guy walks out the door, calls him a judge's dream. <laughs> and Brain mentions he's going to go check on the girl. Yeah, he says, I got to head over to that hotel, make sure she's not left alone. Um, but yeah, here comes this guy. He comes out and poses and, uh, Heenan again says, this is his pick for the night. Vince says, this guy has been on the cover of WBF magazine, but he could as well have been on the cover of GQ magazine. And I was like, Oh boy. I would like to look up the history of the WBF magazine because I can't imagine it lasted much more than a year. And if you have 13 competitors, yeah, I would hope just about everybody got some cover time. You would think so. But yeah, he says it's Holland's best, and then Vince loses his shit over the abs. That's the part that always gets. It's like, I wish the other announcers just wouldn't step in and just let him keep just. Flats <laughs> is trying to keep Vince under control, probably. Oh, but um, they love. Yeah. Also, Vince fucking loves the. Let me put my leg out in front, swing my muscles back and forth, and then flex. Because, mm-hmm. dude, he does that, and Vince is like, oh, look at this. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's my move. That's my go-to. Um, but, oh, boy, some gene questions from a man that grasp on the English language is probably just slightly lacking. And he, anyway, so um, he feels great to be a member of the WBF, but he excuses himself because he has business to take care of dp oh god back at that hotel over there because folks the fucking video (laughs) starts back he runs back to the bedroom door and now and i don't even know what happens from this point on he goes back to the hotel room she see this yeah no go ahead she is we see a shot that like he doesn't see i guess like it's before Mm -hmm. he gets back into the room but Mm -hmm. we see her taking drugs out of like a, a spy's ring and dumping it into his drink. And Vince says, Oh, I thought WBF was drug free. And he goes, yeah, it's sweet and low. And then when Barry does approach the lady that she was trying to trick him into being drugged, he takes the other glass. And then the lady looks awkward about not drinking it. And Vince laughs and says how great that was. And we come out to a shot of Ico pro. Like, what? <laughs> and that's the end of the video. Like this woman, I guess, was ultimately trying to. Also, by the way, 
he's done performing. So at this point, it probably doesn't matter if he does do a little bit, you know? Well, well, I mean, well, I mean, other than being knocked unconscious, but yeah, it's, it's just so weird. Like, I don't get what the message was with that fucking video. No, none of it makes sense. But it's time now, Mean Gene says, for man number eight. Nine. Nine. It's the Cape Crusader who can change the course of rivers, we're told. Which is the most ludicrous thing I've ever heard. I've never heard Superman being told, said that he could change the course of rivers. Um, He's probably like, I mean, if I tried, I probably could. I just, you know, who would want to? It's Aaron Baker, the Dark Man. Angel. I, I probably gave old Mike Quinn earlier, or whoever, too much credit for being the most impressive professional wrestler of the group. Because, <laughs> man, Aaron Baker gets it. Yeah, he does. With the, his but, video, though, is very oh. interesting. We get a comic book illustration entry. entry. It's just, again, it's like, okay, yeah, it, it's slightly cool. I kind of liked Mean Gene narrating a comic book. Yeah, that was, that was neat. But, but again, this is a bodybuilding competition, and I don't know if drawings of the person is the best way to get over how muscular you are. Yeah. Baker saves a woman from being mugged, and Gene says, mm-hmm. thank goodness justice prevails. But then here <laughs> comes the dark angel, Aaron Baker. Yeah, like the last line, though, is he always gets the last word. I'm like, what does that mean? Like that, <laughs> That's the same thing. It's a weird way to end the comic. But anyway, yeah, go ahead. Like you said, here he comes. Tom Platt says only Aaron could do this as he's making his entrance. And Vince says the capacity crowd is loving this show. We get tons of fog. <laughs> yeah. Baker walks. Like, go ahead. Yeah, it's like an episode of Thunder after like DDP would come out. Yeah. Whole, you can't even see him for like 30 seconds. There's so much smoke <laughs> on the stage. But he begins posing to slow music. Oh, man. This was my favorite. Vince calls him the perfect specimen. Tom says he's much more sculpted this year. And Vince yeah. says this is the new order of bodybuilding, and it's totally drug-free. And I just have here, I mean, he's like all the other guys. He's crazy built. And then he he turns and does his back, and the announcers start losing their mind about stuff. But this is when they start talking about eating things, and it made me laugh. <laughs> oh, yes! Jesus. What you need is a Mica Pro. Aaron Baker was also the first person that I felt like his performance was very sexual. Like this was, he was borderline like bachelorette party at times for me with his <laughs> yes. intensity. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's much more There's, like comfortable dancing than a lot of these mm-hmm. other big guys are. Like mm-hmm. of the men that I could see being potential athletes, this is probably the guy that I would say most likely would have the ability to at least not injure himself jumping off of a rope or something. Right. Yes. There's some agility there. Yes. Good point. Um, awesome symmetry. Also, according to Tom Platts. And uh, yeah, yeah. We're, we're told that he eats about three to four thousand calories a day. And uh, Heenan's impressed with that. Aaron gets. Right. I, was like, his- I was like, me too. That's awesome. Who would have thought? <laughs> Aaron gets his encore, of course, like everyone else. And Vince, again, whoa, yeah. And he does a very long encore. And Vince calls him tireless at one point. Gene finally just has to say his name a third time so that Aaron will wave and leave. Um, yeah. 
And then we cut to a primetime wrestling promo with sped up footage of wrestlers and cartoon sound effects. Yeah, it was awesome. Good to see the the cross promotion here. Um, As we go to our 10th competitor, he's a real blonde, according to Mean Gene Okerlund. It's Troy Zuccoletto. The Zook. The Zook. They all, the well, beach bum. He's also Not the only one that, like, Mean Gene introduces as a heel. Because he's like, and I wouldn't want to be near him on a beach. Because <laughs> it's because, DP, take long drink of water. We make movies here. Oh, absolutely. Right, we gotta, this guy's got a big upside on a heel side of things. Um, yes, he has three women rubbing oil all over him. He's a lifeguard. And he is immediately unlikable because he has a job to do. And he's not doing it, and he'll continue to not do his job as a lifeguard. Yeah, the rookie lifeguard that's that's on duty with him has to do all the actual work. Mm-hmm. Yes, because there's a woman drowning in the water, and Zuccoletto's too busy getting rubbed down by the ladies. <laughs> so the rookie runs in and saves the day, literally, like while this guy stands there like a dummy. Yep. Um, he can't swim, but don't worry. His expertise is on the CPR side of things, apparently. Yeah, because the guard saves her, brings her up on the beach, lays her down, and mm-hmm. says, Hey, Troy, I need your help over here. And so mm-hmm. here comes the Zook to deliver the mouth-to-mouth. And the people the cheer The people cheer for Troy while he's doing this. They're not cheering for the yes. woman to, Please be okay. Please start breathing again. None of that. It's mm-hmm. all about, Woo, look at you, Troy. Way to go. We're also giving no credit to the man who just swam into the water and yes. pulled this woman to safety. Yep. He doesn't matter. Because this dude probably can't swim is what I'm guessing about Mr. Zuccoletto. His arms physically won't allow him to swim. <laughs> but yeah, um, she's yeah. saved. We then go full 80s comedy with the dialogue here as she asks, how could I ever repay you? And he looks at the camera and winks. And yeah, then it's as the if, implication, Tony. It's the implication. And, yeah, the, well, I mean, listen, I love Dennis <laughs> as much as anybody. It's all about the implications. But, and it's like, okay, you, you hit the nail on the head. You got the joke over. No, no, no. Vince is going to make sure that we drive this home with the, oh, oh, oh go, do you have it there? Oh, you leaned I'm sure he can think of something. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Vince. Like, uh, it was already pretty bad, but you made sure that we totally understood what we were implying. But the Zook not only walks directly from the beach here, he brings the lady directly from the beach here as they're both still in their swimsuits. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty. Is that the same girl? Because I was it pretty is. sure. I was like, oh, okay, all right. I think it's the same lady. I thought it was. Maybe I didn't go yeah, back and look, but you're probably right. Uh, Tom says Troy is looking a little soft and off today <laughs> as he makes his way out with this lady. <laughs> I'm like, we just had a full like mini movie before <laughs> this guy comes out, and he takes like again two steps and Platts is just like, <laughs> nope, not this guy. I no just have to imagine Vince hates all of that. Oh, and and like Vince, you know, because Tom says he's soft, but he says, but he does have an excuse. He was sick two weeks ago, and what? and so apparently, yeah, he was really sick. Um, these these men, who I would imagine would be the pillar of health, are awfully fragile when it comes to like germs infesting their bodies. You know, we got pneumonia oh. taking one guy out. This guy had a stomach problem. As he's posing slowly, we hear a woman's voice come over the announce, like over the PA system. I guess it's that lady that was supposed to be there, but she goes, "Oh, that's nice and soft, but show me something harder." Yeah. <laughs> and then the yeah. rock beat music kicks in, and this, of course, when Vince <laughs> loses, ah, oh, here we go, and <laughs> Vince and Tom's voice are just—they're going nuts. Vince, uh, then so 
they're ta- like they start talking on the announce system like they're part of the song you hear vince say mm-hmm. something about yeah. oh i don't know if he's doing very well and like tom platt says something and then the guy turns and his voice plays on the thing and he lip syncs to it he points at vince and and it goes shut up mcmahon and like bobby heenan loves it the rest of the crowd doesn't give a shit <laughs> <laughs> oh man yeah it's it's amazing. And Platts is just still sitting on him. Brain says it looks like he's wearing a slingshot, which cracked me up. Yeah. And, uh, and no one, no one all- had a reaction to that. They didn't, they didn't care yeah. to make fun of the, the attire of this yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Because this man is certainly our cheekiest performer of the evening. He's yeah. got the, you know, the, the, the thong almost kind of on display here. Tom calls his, uh, his stomach ravioli abs, which I never heard the term <laughs> before. I mean, it can't be good. Like it doesn't. That sounds like that's probably a negative. And Heenan once again shouts that this is the winner, and he's going to pick him. Uh, Troy takes forever. He finally signals the end. But oh, what about the encore? He poses for more. Waves to the crowd. Finally, he leaves. And that's when it's time for man number eleven. <laughs> yeah. Wow. A uh, man. Honestly, good. If it's not the future, they got screwed over. It's this guy, maybe, when it comes to the competition. Oh, yeah. This guy, I mean, he looks... Uh, well, I'll, we'll talk more. So, man number yeah. 11, a man who had to endure pain, says Mean Gene. Torture what? and suffering and sacrifice. No, stop. Stop saying those things about this guy. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. But bad news, folks, because it's payback time. Here comes the executioner, Johnny <laughs> Morant. And we see video of fire... And, like, a brand and, like, a mm-hmm. cave or a dungeon. There's a noose in the background, some smoke. Mm-hmm. I can't really tell what's happening. Suddenly, we're back on stage. Like, nothing happened in the video. It was very much like the blacksmith earlier. Um, right. And we're on stage where there's a fat man in, like, a torturer's outfit. And he's torturing a person in a stockade and a woman there's on a rack. One. Yeah, there's a woman yeah. on a rack, a man on a stockade. Yeah. And it's very, like, I was like, this is a the real production that we're having here. And right. then walks Johnny Morant in a big black executioner's hood. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Bobby Heenan has not seen an executioner's hood and makes the, the reference for the other sides of hoods. Mm. <laughs> wait, here it is. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. Wow. What it said. Well, guess who's coming to dinner at David Duke's house? <laughs> what the fuck, Bobby? <laughs> Like, uh, like I, no one reacts because they're all still trying to tell the story as it keeps going, and so it just like it just lays there. Oh, I laughed right. so hard when I heard that. Vince is just praying that people don't recognize that name. Yeah, I just was like, Bobby, what are you doing? Um, yes, yeah, <laughs> oh. so as we've seen multiple times tonight, John Morant comes on the stage well, and kills the fat man. Yeah, so like. Who's the executioner? Because he comes out and saves the people that are being tortured. I thought he was an executioner. Yeah, I, I guess he's like an executioner that's had a change of heart. Yeah, yeah. He, he kills his, his assistant, I guess, instead of killing mm. the people that were supposed to be being tortured. Yeah, the crowd love it, though. But this is when like he begins posing, and this is when Tom says, You know, Vince, I really, I'm, I'm glad you decided to do this with this event. This is, this is a great thing. I'm so glad that we have all this, this element of creativity for these guys. Which, I mean, okay. Obviously, it doesn't go great. But this guy is big. Johnny Morant is an impressive-looking dude. He's, you know, he's big. He's posing. And uh, Tom says, 
He could be a little harder tonight, but he does have potential to take over. I'm like, Tom, stop shitting on everybody. <laughs> Man, he's the worst. Yeah, they do compliment his double peaks or something, I guess. His, yeah. His double peaks performance was nice. Um, and this was one where he had like his own theme song that I'm hoping he's also the one singing it. Because when, when we get to the executioner dance portion of this performance, it sounds like it may be our, our man Johnny Morant doing the singing. Oh, okay. So I'm, I missed out. I didn't pay attention to that, I guess. But Johnny is also one of the funniest guys in this event, we're told, by Tom for some reason. And Heenan then makes a it's Belgian important. waffle reference when hearing that Johnny trained in Belgium. Um, Heenan then says, this is his pick. I give you my word. He's going to win it all. And uh, Tom says he does. If he gets harder, he'll take over the uh, the the competition. Yeah, and yeah, just come out with a boner next time. And apparently, like <laughs> Tom Platts will pick you as the winner. And Johnny is the only man in this entire competition that Mean Gene says Johnny Moran, ladies and gentlemen, and we go away. He walks off stage, <laughs> and we're done. No, he's probably court. like he's probably like, you sons of bitches. No, I should have won this thing. I'm not going out there and doing an encore. <laughs> Yeah, that's because his time. Na- because now, folks, it is time for our main event, the twelfth competitor, our reigning bodybuilding champion, the man himself, Gary Stridum. <laughs> oh, and this he also has an amazing. This is my amazing my favorite video, video because man, this is awesome. This is so early night. This is so like nineties television. It's like mm-hmm. Gary pulls up in this like sports car to mm-hmm. a a badly developed area of town, and he's got all these at risk youths that are standing around, and they start <laughs> hassling him. But he gives them, you know, it's good natured ribbon, and he gives. They back offer to him. they offer him drugs. <laughs> yeah, they offer him drugs, and he says, "I don't need drugs. I get high on life, man." <laughs> They do at least laugh at him for saying that, which I appreciated. Like, but he delivers the wisdom of that. Y- y- first, well, you need success, right? Well, because they're impressed with his material things, which I didn't love. Yes. That, like, literally, the turn in all this is they ask him about his car. Yeah, and that's like the well, you got to work hard if you want these great material things. And then he says, "It's just like this body, a hard work and dedication. You just got to work. <laughs> that's what you get." And then he says at the end of this, oh, man. because I'm too legit to quit. And I was mm. like, that's not your catchphrase, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, MC Hammer on line one, probably with the cease and desist here. <laughs> yeah, um, and Vince then is go going to... after people for doing two sweets, and we've got right. this too legit to quit in this. Exactly. But now it's not over. We get a highlight reel of how awesome Gary Stridham's life is. Mm-hmm. including highlights from his performance last year. Yeah, his performance last year. We see him lifting in the gym, driving yeah. on Rodeo Drive in L.A. Mm-hmm. But and- the the lemon juice in the paper cut is, as he's introduced on the stage, it's, you've seen the rest. And then, that's, and then Gary Stratton walks out. It's like, literally telling everyone, like, none of that shit matters. Oh, like, yeah. Like, this... This is the guy. Yep. You shouldn't have even wasted your time. Yeah, this feels very much like, you know, the first title defense of your reigning champion that you're, you know, for that you <laughs> right. wouldn't expect to actually be a title change. Yeah, um, yeah here comes Stridham. Tom says, nobody's beating him. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and no, it was Bobby Heenan, I think, because mm-hmm. Bobby Heenan immediately says, this is my pick to win, which 
Coincidentally, because the way the show's packed, now your joke doesn't seem as funny because you picked the, rim, the winner. And and Platt and Vince just have no bad things to say about this man. No. Who, by the way, is not the most impressive body on this show. I mean, he's not terrible, though. Like, he no, no, impressive. no. He's top five. He's top five. Oh, yeah, you know? for sure. And Tom says this reminds him of the old days when he would go on stage and the audience just knows. And uh, it's just like, oh, so when you won a, a, a thing. Um, and then I just have here the fake lip sync call outs that are built into the music is terrible. With like he, Gary Stridham, like turn to the crowd and go like, you still like me? And then they go, Woo! yeah, because yeah. he also, again, he incorporates the too legit to quit line into his like performance here. Yes. Charisma. Oh, yeah. What is your secret? Too legit to quit. <laughs> oh, that's, that Gary Stridham. He's so creative. It's not an answer. Like that that doesn't answer the question, <laughs> sir. Um Yeah, I mean the the announcers are telling us there's a standing ovation <laughs> taking place apparently, but we can't show you it. Just well, take our word for it. And this is also the time that Gene has to be like, Gary. You gotta come back for your encore, Gary. <laughs> right. Gary's like, shut up and give me my trophy. All right. Oh, Gary comes uh, out, but for his encore, his first pose, like after doing all these other various poses, is this mm-hmm. thing where he does like a top wrist lock to himself to show off mm-hmm. the bot. Like, I've never seen a man show off his armpit before. And I was right. like, he was the only person that did the armpit pose. I think that's what got him the championship. Yeah, he's into that armpit licking stuff, I think. Um, but we go yeah, to but- Mean Gene. Who tells us we're time to now talk about one of the most photographed individuals of all time, Lex Luger? <laughs> so you thought yeah, the main event going, was yeah. our champion? No, it's no, this we're going to turn away. Bit. Yeah, yeah, we're going to turn away from our you know I don't know legitimate competition if you want to call it that, and go back to Lex Luger for some reason. Oh, we get a video vignette of Lex posing for a magazine cover but it's well, like it's never a real magazine either because right. it's also very clear that like these are doing this for his own purpose i guess but he's yeah. got cheetah print sleeves on this first one where he's like almost nude i guess yes doing and, the uh yeah posing on a bed with sexy saxophone music in the background yes this, uh, he tells this us where i was like oh it's a narcissist promo right no yeah every man wants to be him and everyone wants to see him and then this was the playgirl portion ah. of this of this video they they put up a fake playgirl cover with lex on it and yep. uh, and then we then go to the bow nose ripoff yeah the bow nose ripoff where he's got all the various sporting equipment he can find and and he gets a picture there it's a sports illustrated cover of lex and then we go to lex wearing a suit and that's when he says this what's this now I'm sure by now you're awestruck by the incredible diversity of Lex Luger. My prowess is unparalleled on the playing field, in the bedroom, and oh in the boardroom as well. Oh my All of these superior qualities make me, Lex Luger, a shoo-in for Man of the Year. Did you know that Time's Man of the Year was judged on, at least partially, your prowess in the bedroom? I had heard that. I mean, it makes <laughs> sense. I don't know how else you would make that kind of determination. Again, I will say, I wish these were narcissist promos. These would be perfectly like, fine for a narcissist promo on these are, Raw. These are outstanding wrestling promos. 
They don't belong in a legitimate bodybuilding competition. No, because then, so he's he's the man of the year on the Times cover, and then we see him pose again, this time for a fake WBF magazine cover, yeah. and Vince laughs like, ha, ha, good luck getting onto that cover. <laughs> it's like, how in a year and a half have you not had him on your cover if you've hired him uh, for this whole fucking event? <laughs> I feel like he probably had already been on the cover. Um yeah, Vince is probably referring more to the fact that I can't imagine that magazine lasted much longer. <laughs> well, Gene says, again, we apologize that Lex was unable to be here to pose, but he is in the hospital following the surgery, so let's see if we can hook back up again. And Lex says, it's been a great competition so far. And in walks a nurse. She says, you're supposed to be getting rest, and he promises that I'll turn off the TV as soon as the show's over. And Gene says, mm-hmm. that nurse is going to take your temperature the old-fashioned way. <laughs> yeah. Vince loves that joke, of course. Of course. Butt stuff. Vince loves butt stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so now we see all the men are standing in the pump room, really close to one another, <laughs> just flexing and posing. Yeah, just hanging out. And this is where they announce the top five that will compete in our Pose Down Championship round. <sighs> Which, wow. I didn't know what to expect from a Pose Down. Like oh. this, so our number f- our first man that is, is moving on is the Dark Angel, Aaron Baker. The mm-hmm. second one, the rock and roll wild child, David Dearth. Mm-hmm. The third one, the flexing Dutchman, Barry DeMay. And then the two guys that probably should be just facing off in a one-on-one pose down, mm-hmm. the future Jim Quinn and Gary Stridham. Yeah. No John Morant, though. No. No Johnny Morant. No, uh, no Padilla making his way. Well, but- Padilla... Like- but Morant, like the rock and roll guy, I feel like is the one that's really like probably yeah. not shouldn't be here. But now we get a surprise entry of Sean Mooney's ah. here, folks. It literally looks like he just like snuck onto the stage the way he like <laughs> walks in with his shoulders slouched and his head down. Yeah. It's like because this is not going to be fun. Well, all the guys that were being announced as winners ran off camera. So yes. we're left with just the guys that didn't get to go to the top, top five, and that's who Sean Mooney's going to talk to. <laughs> yep. Hey, Sean Mooney, your one job. You get to talk to these guys that are mad that they lost, and they've probably known that they lost all day. Well, that's the thing is because they've known they've lost, like some of them are, are playing along and acting like they're disappointed, but like Mike Quinn, the mighty Mike Quinn or whatever guy, is in the middle like just joking around, and like when, when Sean says, obviously these guys are disappointed, he goes, Who's disappointed? <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, Eddie Robinson says he'll be back. He was definitely one that probably felt like maybe he should have been there, too. Um, Sean Mooney goes, all, hey, yeah. you know, I know the new policy of no steroids is probably tough. Was do you, Is that what you credit with not making the top five? And the guy's like, yeah, it was, it was tough, but yeah, I'll be back next Iron, year. <laughs> yeah, Iron Warrior gets that question. It's like, screw you, Sean Mooney. Like, you got to ask anybody. Yeah, he says it's all natural, and that's what it's all about. Uh, Morant will be, yeah, they'll all be back. They're all going to be back. Padilla... It's no time. Dude, I was, I was I was blown away. Like we get each one of them, four men through, and then the last two are Padilla and the Zook, and they just get passed right over. And Padilla looks crushed by being passed yeah. over, by the way. Like he looks like he's about to say something, right. and then Sean's right. like, and now we're gonna go back to you guys. <laughs> Bullshit's what it is. Um, mean Gene, who's been good all night, stumbles to introduce the top five to the stage. Yeah. Um, as we are getting ready for the pose down. 
I love like just the presentation of all this, like them <laughs> them being like lifted on a platform from beneath the stage. Yes, and, so well, and they- they're already posing as they're being lifted. Well, some of them are posing, and then right. like one of the guys, I can't remember who it is, but is like I'm done with this lift and jumps yep. up out of the thing real quick and like starts standing in front Baker. of everyone else. I was like, what is yeah. happening? Well, because it's because yeah, now like I said, the pose down folks is literally. It is a no disqualification street fight of bodybuilding because yeah, some guys are like, screw this. I'm going to get an advantage by getting off this thing early and start posing. So then the other guys start doing it. I don't know that anybody yeah. waits till the thing reaches all the way to the top no. and then begins the spacing and, you know, like yeah, trying you, to take the spotlight to yourself kind of a thing. Do you bunch up and stand in front of another guy or do you mm-hmm. like the champion does walk to one end of the stage to make an area for yourself? Yeah. Fucking stride him. He also like goes down into the crowd, which I'm just betting that many of these things were probably told not to do. And oh, these guys probably. were probably like, ah, fuck it. Yeah. Cause Gary's walking to the edge. Vince says the strategy is to capture as much attention as you can possibly get to yourself. I'm like, okay, so this is what this is about. Dearth does the HBK pose in front of everyone at one point, which made me laugh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he had done it earlier, too. Oh, had he? During his, yeah. The, but no, that yeah, was Yeah, like you awesome. said, Gary's walking into the crowd and, like, yeah. posing in front of people. And, like, the future at one point, Jim Quinn walks to the back part of the stage and starts, like, doing, like, weird back poses. I was like, there's so many strategies taking place here. And finally, it fucking ends. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Like, I Ugh. I couldn't believe the madness of it all. Um, yeah, the judge's decision is right around the corner. But first, Mean Gene plugs Body Stars, the program, mm-hmm. and introduces... Wow. If you ever had to wonder maybe why this show didn't make it or it wasn't that great, we are introduced to the co-star of Body Stars, a young lady named Cameo, mm-hmm. who has the personality of a stump in your yard. I thought she was fine. I didn't think that she was... It's just so, like... she play, she She's playful with like, Gene, talks about I, having that, that date later on the night. It's just so... St- Stilted though, and like it is. Uh, I don't know. I was just. It wasn't. It didn't flow. It was all very like. Yeah, that's right. Because she, she's introduced, you figure, oh, maybe this will be a whole. Like she has like one sentence. She says, well, "They're all winners, Gene." That's, that's the problem. Is is that her opinion is bad? Because like she kisses Gene, says she mm-hmm. loves each and every one of these guys, and when he asks, "Who do you think won?" she goes, "Uh, I think they all win." <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad she came out. I'm glad we spent a minute on this. So yeah, she leaves and yep. yeah, she doesn't even. I would have thought maybe you'd have her like announce the winner. Yeah. Or yeah. no, She's she can't be gone. trusted. She, but she read her. She did her line. This is the point when I'm just like, all right, guys, stop stretching the show because Gene goes, all right, gentlemen, one last look at the superstars, not the top leave- five. All the other motherfuckers are going to get their entrances again. (laughs) Everybody gets introduced again. (laughs) So much time wasting. And then finally, when and then the other thing that was funny, so all these guys get their entrances with their music again. They come out, stand, and like they have a lot of time. Well, then the top five starts, and they don't get their music. This throws off one of Aaron, who's the first one out because it's alphabetical. So he Mm -hmm. takes a second to come out, and then by the time he comes out, the second man's being announced. So then that guy's Mm -hmm. trying to pose, and then the third guy like finally like gets back caught up with Gene because Gene wasn't fucking stopping his pace. 
But right. yeah, eventually they all come out, and we finally get the top five as it's announced. As Mean Gene says, number five was the rock and roll wild child David Dearth. Yeah, I, I, makes sense. Um, fourth place goes to the flexing Dutchman, Brian DeMay. Barry. Barry DeMay. <laughs> Third went to the angel, dark angel, Aaron Baker, who I thought for sure was going to be the winner, but no, he is number three. Yeah, the future, Jim Quinn, is uh, your second place mm-hmm. finisher, which is such bullshit. No, Jim Quinn looks like bodybuilding Mike Awesome. Like, he's just a very right. tall, big guy. Mm-hmm. And he's got a lot of muscle on him. But yeah, no, he's not going to win. You're still champion, Gary Stridham. Which, also, Gene... Hey, there's a there's a there's a hint here when you're hosting things like this. You count down to three, and then you announce the winner. You don't announce second place. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was. That's why. Yeah, you do first runner up and all that shit. Oh. So, uh, yeah, he celebrates. Uh, Vince, you know, talks a lot about how great this night was. I loved Heenan because he's like, I told you so. I t- I knew he would win. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't have stacked that the way that you with your joke. Yeah. Uh, Brain says that he wants to be a judge next year. Uh-huh. He's loved this. He loves this so much. He wouldn't even be with the company. I don't think by this point next year. So, oh, you're right. Uh, Gary calls. <laughs> so Tom calls Gary the total package, and Vince goes, "Oh, just like Lex Luger." And uh, Heenan says, "This has been a privilege." Like you said, he's going to be a judge on the show. Gary does more posing. There's not like a championship belt, like I was hoping that no. he would get. Nothing like that. No. Just he's your winner. Some shit pyro goes off, and Vince says he's the champion, and we get the copyright, and the show ends. Overall, for a pay-per-view product, I thought this was fucking terrible. Like, <laughs> who, you're not you're you are appealing to no one. You well, you are alienating yeah. the bodybuilding fans right. with this right. ridiculous production. You're alienating right. the wrestling fans with this weird thing of not not wrestling or having any competition. Really, it's just mm-hmm. posing. I was like, I right. don't see who is the niche audience that you think is going to be your gold mine that is going to propel this to be the the highest level of bodybuilding i mean like bodybuilding itself as a sport had really already kind of had its heyday yeah in the mid Arnold to late in the 80s. 80s yeah it was still more popular more relevant then obviously than it is nowadays mm-hmm. but like you said when you twist it so much in your like pro wrestling view like point of view yeah you're you're going to drive them away. Now I could see Vince's idea and listen, it's always tough to do this. It's, it was a sport that needed something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you need a way to, to connect personalities to the, the, the athletes. So that way you have fandom to each man. And it's always something that, you know, people struggled with, you know, that it's usually your sports more popular and at its best, but it has personalities and big Mm -hmm. personalities and people like that. So like you can see what he's doing and the problem, I just think, is that you went from how he presented the first one to how he presented the second one, and it was just, he had no patience. Because it's yeah. like, you had made enough changes to the way you did it the first time yeah. that you were already pushing your, like, pressing your luck with those people. Uh-huh. And then he just, you know, slammed well, the door wide open to his box of gimmicks, WWE yes. style. But, and then his desire to have it both ways, where he then still has the traditional competition off screen like right. just blew me like and why tell me about that then like because then like this w- what i realized after i watched this was like because there was only 12 because one guy got sick 
This mm-hmm. was a fireman's calendar come to life. That's all that this was. Basically. Was just, <laughs> yeah. Well, we watched five minutes also- of the, like, it was, it was like if you had a behind the scenes of the fireman's calendar and you watched the guy have the pictures <laughs> taken. Which they do usually make those videos a lot of yes. times to coincide with those calendars. Um, no, that's a pretty perfect example, like, actually of kind of what this is. That's also kind of what bodybuilding is to some degree. But yeah. Minus the characters. No, it is just, it is Vince McMahon in all his glory. It's in everything he's ever had his hands in with, it, whether it be the yeah. XFL or, you know, trying, you know, trying to buy mm-hmm. his competition and that kind of a thing. He just goes all Vince McMahon with it and tends to be the downfall. <laughs> you know, cause you also just had, I always think about Shane McMahon and how great it would be to get him to talk candidly about his father because yeah. Shane said by the UFC, Vince started a football league, yeah. you know, Yep. I'd imagine Shane in his college ages back here at this time would have much rather him done anything with their money uh-huh. than buying a professional bodybuilding federation. You know what I mean? Like Vince, yeah. he's also stubborn, it seems like, about his things, you know? Because mm-hmm. just think of what the world would be like if Vince McMahon had bought the UFC. Now, well, that's true, too. But also, like, <laughs> think about, because we know where Vince McMahon goes in the wrestling side of things, think about if mm-hmm. the bodybuilding side had stayed positive and they had, like, done well. We could have easily seen Vince McMahon competing on these bodybuilding oh. shows. Oh, there's no doubt about it. You're totally right. Or at least <laughs> guest posing. Yeah, like muscle and fitness cover level Vince McMahon would easily mm-hmm. have been one of the guest posers on one of these shows. So uh. we talked earlier, we had Sean Ray talking about his you know, thoughts on when he th- was being proposed to sign. He would not end up mm-hmm. signing. And here's him talking about kind of why he's okay with having not signed and thinks that it was a better option because he talks about the history or where the rest of these guys kind of went. That federation would be short-lived. It would be gone after two years. Those bodybuilders would never really recover on the pro scene. Mike Christian had some issues with drugs. Never would compete again on a pro bodybuilding stage. Barry DeMay had torn his pec. Never would compete again in the IFBB on a pro stage. Troy Zuccolato made a half-hearted attempt at a comeback, I believe, in 96, 97 at the Night of Champions. Would never be seen on the bodybuilding stage again. Aaron Baker came back and survived a little bit. He actually did a couple of Olympias. I remember in 94, 95, he would be standing there toe-to-toe with uh, Flex Wheeler for the Ironman Championship. None of the guys that went to the WBF really survived to really have anything to talk about or brag about except Gary Stratum who took that money parlayed it into his clothing company and moved off to Thailand to live very cheap and very handsomely <laughs> so there you go <laughs> good old Gary Stratum made the best of things and again where's that video from like who, who is that What's oh that I gotta go back to the top of my page here hold on one second oh, yeah anyways it comes from a video that you know we're gonna link in the yeah it'll be it'll be linked it's from bodybuilding chronicles on YouTube if you want to okay. see the entire Sean go. Ray interview yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's not surprising, but you know what? I'll bet, not for all of them, obviously, it sounds like the Iron Warrior might have had some problems, yeah. but the money these guys made over the course of two years would still probably be like at least, what, three that, or four if, times what they would have made winning. doing things the weeder way? Yeah, doing you know? things the weeder way and winning while they were doing those things, because that's what he yeah. was comparing that to the winner of the Mr. Olympia, mm-hmm. not even necessarily just computer comp- competitors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on Wikipedia... Uh, it says mm-hmm. after the event received a low buy rate, the second championship, Vince McMahon called the owners of the IFBB on July 15th and announced that the WBF would be disbanding. Uh, a short time later, McMahon was indicted on charges of distributing steroids to professional wrestlers. So, yeah, there you go. I'll bet you all the money in my pocket that it's the indictment that had to do with him stopping this more so Instead than of the pushing lack for of another show. I think he would have 
pushed on. Well, because they had Gary under contract for three years. Right. That was the deal. Right. So, And we never got to see him and Lex Luger yeah. go one-on-one. <laughs> no, you're probably right. I bet you if, if he wasn't dealing with that court stuff, he for sure would have probably at least pushed it for one more. At least one more. Because he's stubborn and kind of dumb. Um, <laughs> another interesting thing about this show was the advertised appearance of Lou Ferrigno at yeah. one time early on. Uh-huh. That was another golden goose of Vince's that was kind of expected to kind of maybe be a big deal. And yeah. from an exposure standpoint, Lou Ferrigno, Gary Stratum, I'm pretty sure it was like on the cover of WBF magazine at one point, like oh, those wow. two face to face and like whole thing. Like, I mean, promoted and like, yeah, I think Ferrigno appeared on a TNT, like a Tuesday night Titans mm-hmm. and like did an interview, like, and then just, no one's ever like through. I didn't. I couldn't find any conclusive thing on like what fell through. Everything else seemed like, like they just couldn't agree on the money, and that just is where yeah. it ended. Which is a little surprising to me because Ferrigno in '92, we're not talking about like star of the Incredible I mean, Hulk, Lou Ferrigno. He was not. He's still riding that fame and doing appearances and stuff. I'm right. sure he's still getting money because of it. But yeah, right. he's not like gigantic, top of the world. I mean, I don't know if any of you people know. have seen the Hercules movies he made for Canon. In the late 80s, but I mean, it's, <laughs> he wasn't at the top of his uh, time career-wise. No. So another unfortunate, you know, I don't know, it's would have been kind of funny in the history of, you know, to have seen Lou Ferrigno as a part of this. Absolutely. But yeah, no, that, that didn't end up happening, and this would be the end of the World Bodybuilding Championships, and that was kind of it. So it's definitely not, I mean, it is, you talk about like a niche subject, you've got, you know, wrestling is a niche of its own, but then bodybuilding, <laughs> right. it's like you're even further down the niche hole, man. Yeah, the niche hole. I think Vince also <laughs> probably just saw vulnerability in some of those niche sports. You know what I mean? I yeah. think he sees like where his oh, production values can just yeah. easily elevate ourselves yeah. ahead of them. Yeah, I can go in there and run those weeders out because and I will say that's one thing I have seen in videos of people compliment like the production, yeah. the stage, the lighting that mm-hmm. all of that for the better, actually, because after this, the IBFF did improve the quality of the okay. staging and the light, you know, so there was, it was an impact. like a, a hotel conference room with like exactly. a slight a, elevated yeah. stage for them to stand on. And, and it had a big impact on the pay that those um, athletes enjoyed. So, yeah. you know, through Vince's failure, things got a little bit better for people in the world of professional bodybuilding. And, you know, there's that much like the XFL. Yeah. A lot yep. of bad, but they adopted a got some innovative stuff in that league. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's our thoughts on the World Bodybuilding Championships from 1992 from the WBF. But Tony, of course, I'm as actually, usual, we got to go on. What's up? I'm actually really happy that we did this because <laughs> I have always been fascinated with this league, and I could still, I would still like to know more. <laughs> I know that Vince doesn't want to talk about it, so it probably won't ever be spoken about. Probably not. But yeah, but now we've got more wrestling to watch next week. Actual wrestling next week. Where are we headed? Oh, well, DP, we are going to finish our uh, tag. Gosh, I don't well, even finish, know how the show is. Technically, the show is three nights. So this Lord will be part have two mercy. of a three-parter, oh, no, actually. Right. <laughs> My bad. Part two of the Chikara King of Trios 2010 edition. Yeah. When we last saw our fateful friends... Uh, I'm trying to remember exactly where things stood. <laughs> Oh, yes, here we go, here we go, yes. So, um, you know, by the, by the end of the night, I don't know, what were we down to? Were we down to, is it like eight teams left still, or is it just four so. teams? 
Okay. I'm not sure how many teams are left. Um, but yeah, we had you know a night with just all kinds of crazy names on there. Obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jackson Three. We had Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, and the little known Malachi Jackson in action, um, taking on you know a team consisting of even the future Ricochet. We've got some Claudio Castagnoli, Cesaro action in here. So, uh, and I would imagine all of our friends who lost on night one will probably find their way into matchups in the shows moving forward. I'm thinking that's probably going to be the case because otherwise, I don't know how you fit night three into its own event at that point. But um, exactly, yeah, the colony is, is, is moving on as far as that goes. So we'll see where mm-hmm. where the ants end up at on this tournament. But yeah, we're going to check out night two of 2010's King of Trios. And we'll talk more about where all that comes from and, and our, our good buddy that, that allowed us some access to that later on uh, when, we, when we actually review it. If you want to keep up with us in the meantime, you can do so on two places, both Facebook and Twitter. For Facebook, just search for the name of the podcast. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we're at GrappleCast. If you'd like to yeah, follow can, me on Twitter, I'm at Deadpool1205. You can follow me, Tony G, at BeyondSanity19. And we'll catch you next week for Chikara, King of Trios 2010, Night 2. Here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Again, Eddie Robinson really getting it. Ah, oh, trying to take it off there. Oh, look at that. Oh, nice pose. Nice routine thus far. Yeah, okay. Oh, yeah. Give it to him again. Yeah, get him. Oh, my goodness. Oh, nice. Look at those abs. Oh, yeah. he's starting to rock. Yeah. Getting into it. Oh, yeah. Turning on the charm. Turning on that personality. All right, are you ready? Yes. Okay, so um, we discussed Kenny Omega is now the Impact champion, Mm -hmm. Um, but a couple other notes from Impact of slight interest at least. Okay. Uh, We had the debut of Big Cass in Impact. I don't know if you had seen that he was... I did not see that he had debuted. What's his name now? M. Morrissey. I don't Does really not know roll why. off the tongue, but yeah, I was like, I don't know what that. I was like, what was wrong with the Kaz XL thing or whatever? But um, <laughs> yeah, he Morris, Why would you do that? Like the whatever. I don't know. Maybe he's a big Morrissey fan. Um, he, but he debuted as a part of the. I think the group's called like Violence is Forever or something like that. But Eric Young, who's legitimately hurt, they had an eight man tag team match scheduled, and he was the replacement on that team okay. for Eric Young, and so. He's on the team now that I think it also has like Cody Deaner and Joe Doring and I don't you know, it's Eric Young's stable, but now that he's out, I guess Cass is the the new guy in there. So I don't know. You know, everybody for the most part seems to be pretty happy about you know, the work he's put in, I guess, and mm-hmm. he's supposedly, you know, worked it, his stuff out and so I mean, other than like the immediate attraction element of them as a team when they both got fired, like Everyone kind of seemed to be in agreement that he'd be better off without Enzo around, like just being his own dude for a while. Right. Yeah. It seems like that could only make help you. Is Enzo anywhere? Um, like, is he on any nah, shows right now? Nah. He he does like indie shots every now and then. Okay. Like, he'll pop. He'll pop up and. Uh, he's not like a mainstay ever. on MLW or something. No, no, no one of any significance has really taken that leap. Okay. After Ring of Honor got their backlash about it, <laughs> so I think everybody else is like, "Oh, okay, never mind. No, we're we're not going to do that." Makes sense. Uh, ELP DP is set to debut for Impact Wrestling. Oh, okay. So El Fantasmo of Bullet Club 
uh, the two-time Super J Cup winner is uh, does this, coming to impact. Does this signal like a, a lessening of his, his presence on New Japan, or is this just like part of their well, whole like ability to it, share talent? It seems like the L.A. guys, if they're going to be in the country anyway... You know, like, go, why not go take yeah. some Impact episodes? I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but he is somebody that does spend a good amount of his time in the L.A. You know, dojo, LA dojo? New Japan, the New Japan, the New Japan Strong promotion or whatever. He, so, you know, good for Impact. You know, obviously a lot of fun matchup possibilities with him and, you know, all their fun X Division talent and, and others. So we shall see. But the, the door is wide open. I mean, I guess now is a good time to busy to bring it up, as, you know, outside of the Dynamite talk. But Yuji Nagata. And John Moxley for the IWGP yeah. US Championship on Dynamite. <laughs> well, that was one of those things where that Wednesday night I would just like happen to be refreshing Twitter and like that popped up right at the top of like the latest thing and it was just like I lost my mind. And Sean, I was he was we were both playing Rocket League and he goes I was like, do you want me to spoil a very small element of the show? And he goes, not really. And I was like, all right. And he's like, well, now, now, I'm, now I'm curious. I was like, well, the other thing is, I was like, I'm overhyping this for how much you're going to care. I was, like, I was like, you probably yeah. won't give a shit about Yuji Nagata. True. Like, but this is very exciting for me. Yeah. No, I was, yeah. I, I think that's you know going to be awesome and really Having looking forward to it. Defense on Dynamite as well is like, that's another like evolution in this relationship that they've had so far. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, I'm all here for it. And I feel like it's just at this point kind of in the infancy of it. And maybe as yeah. things go better and better, you know, we'll, it'll get bigger and bigger. But we'll have to wait and see about that, I suppose. They'll, I, I mean, as long as we don't get like six months of just like all the old guys coming over to, to challenge for this title, like. I know. Yeah. Well, there's not that many. <laughs> like of if them Tenzon shows up, like that's we, we, we've gone too far. Yeah. Hanma. You just—I just know Hanma will be here any moment, <laughs> haunting me. I could see Hanma doing it though, just because John Moxley's probably like a big oh, Hanma mark. So. Oh, he probably loves it. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. Um, what do you think about Retro SmackDown next week? I did not hear about Retro SmackDown yeah, next week. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know if the fist has been confirmed, but there's a lot of hoping and wishing out there that. The uh, fist entrance will make didn't, its return. Didn't somebody like on one of Conrad's podcasts, I think, say that like that thing is like in disrepair, like in the storage, like it was like broken or something? I mean, if that even, I mean, that may be the case, but I mean, I'd imagine that they could probably put something together. Yeah. Well, I mean, know. they're making hand over if they'd fist been planning right now, to do money, this. so why not pay for just a new one if you want to? <laughs> uh, no, absolutely. So yeah, I don't know what all that entails. Because the graphics aren't that much different, like the commercial, like was showing the like <laughs> classic smack. It's like, well, it's kind of the it's same. Not really changed the, a whole lot in a lot of ways, but you know, looking forward to the old video game entrance, you know, video, you know, open kind of thing. So oh, yeah. I don't know. It'll be cool. I haven't seen as far as if that means that anyone will be make, will be making their return. Seems like it'd be a good time for Edge to show up again, but Edge, yeah. I could also. I, I just feel like we're anytime that you do a throwback thing, you're you're queuing up like a, a fucking either Shane Helms or Hurricane Helms showing up. Well, that's true. That wouldn't be all bad. Uh, maybe that Mister America fella. Oh Jesus! They wouldn't, <laughs> would they? I mean, they oh, might. God, I hope. I hope not. <laughs> oh boy. Anyway, um, on to Raw and the bromance between Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre continues. 
two beefy guys that like to fight people, and they fought Mace and T-Bar. Not of retribution, and not without their masks this week. I was like, (laughs) damn it. Why? Anyways, um, yeah, it was what it was. Miscommunication cost them. Mason T-Bar got the win, so we'll just finish finish the... Yeah. We were part of this anti-government, anti-corporate, like, uh, you know, invading force. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, we failed. But through it, we found friendship. So now we're a tag team. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, we'll just talk about the rest of that stuff. So Drew would go and ask Adam Pierce for a match with Braun. And Pierce is like, okay, that's fine. Um, so, and then later in the night, these two men would clash. And uh, Braun Strowman worked out an opportunity that if he beat Drew, he would join the WrestleMania Backlash title match and make it a triple threat. And that's just what he did because Braun beat Drew McIntyre. So now he is going to join Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley in that match. Oh, boy. Yeah. Hurt Biz caused distractions. I mean, Mason T-Bar were out there mucking it up. So. I mean, I'm I'm guessing that like for kids right now, Braun Strowman is a fun character. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. he's got a real cool, like that that WrestleMania entrance looked really cool with the big <laughs> billowing smoke. But oh, other yeah. than that, I don't have much about Bar- Braun Strowman that I'm real interested in right now. And seeing him added right. to this main event is lessening my interest. Well, I mean, it goes back to you know we talked about it on, on this show. I'm sure many times they had the the moments to move with Braun. You know, back when he was fighting Brock Lesnar for the title mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. like, And they just were like, eh, nah. <laughs> no. And then it was like, well, that. okay. I, You know, you, you created a monster and then you didn't put the title on him and he's just floating around out there. So, and then, so yeah, it was just kind of about around that time. I was like, eh, I'm kind of out on this guy. <laughs> and now he's got train sounds. And like you said, I'm sure kids love it. And that's fine. Um, something that I thought was fun, Ms. TV. John Morrison's back. <laughs> he refers to himself, and I love this. The moist voice, Johnny Drip Drip. <laughs> oh, goodness. I, don't know, I love that. Because also, I just I know that's not I, that had to be on purpose because moist is a word that makes a lot of people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. No, that works very well for a heel. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like the division between these two is happening right away. We'll see what happens. Um, Elias and Riker were their musical guests. Yeah. They were in the ring as well. Uh, Miz is still taking credit for Bad Bunny's success, and we then get a concert for all four men. And thankfully, Damian Priest would interrupt and is joined by the New Day. And uh, you know, six man tag team action ensued. But it was gotcha. it was overall not terrible stuff. I mean, I you know, Elias and Riker can kind of get out of there, but the New Day obviously had plenty to make fun of when it came to this entire group of men in the ring. So. Oh, for sure, yeah. <laughs> They would have a lot of a lot of stuff yeah. to work with, and the good guys won. New Day and Damian Priest. So nice, yay! And a segment that I questioned how much longer I wanted to watch professional wrestling. I was, <laughs> I hated this every second of it. Sonya Deville comes out and introduces Charlotte Flair. <laughs> yes, folks, the Charlotte Flair who yeah. violently assaulted an official a week ago. And was suspended indefinitely. Yes. And fined $100,000. Here's the thing. You got to remember, though, that word indefinite. It, 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 well, means, it doesn't right. mean anything, Fucking really. It just means stupid. whenever. <laughs> fine, fine, fine. Whatever. 
So, Sonya thinks that Pierce's decision, Adam Pierce's decision, was too quick, and both sides need to be heard, which I'm already just enraged. Yeah. Like, this is, fuck this shit. So, Charlotte <laughs> makes a sincere apology, you know, about as sincere as she can. Um, Sonya thinks that's good enough for her and lifts her suspension <laughs> and says that she'll be in action tonight. And the referee from last week will be the referee in that match. What? Yes, Eddie. I didn't catch his last name. Okay. But now Charlotte, since he admitted that he made the wrong decision in the match last week, she wants an apology from the ref. Okay. And he does it. And it's so awkward and awful and just <laughs> makes me so mad. So that that's about it. Like, without any real pushback. And then they walk through the curtain and Adam Pierce is like, what the hell? And Sonia says, oh, I didn't have time to tell you about this. And he's like, I, I don't believe you. Yeah. <laughs> and that was just like the end of the segment. <laughs> and Charlotte just kind of smiled. So. Wow. All right. It was just like a week later. You know, I don't know. Charlotte beat Dana later. I mean, who cares? I mean, I get like, okay, you're positioning Sonya for some kind of a heel. But is she going to be like attached to Charlotte or is is this just she enjoys, you know, promoting heels? And right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's like the beginning, the beginning of a longer Adam Pierce deal with, you know, the two of them at odds. But again, this also goes to the larger problem I have. I know everybody loves to talk about how much they hate the authority figures. Yeah. When there aren't authority figures, none of this makes sense. Nothing well, I mean, makes these, sense. There aren't these two technically like co whatever well, they're labeled. And that's is. what I was going to say too. Yeah, like I mean if you're if you're starting a rivalry between two like unappointed yeah, officials is just the word they use nowadays, like yeah. I, I don't know, give them a little bit more authority if I'm supposed to can you know think that these two are pulling all the strings in the company because it seems like they're just more or less spokespeople is usually yeah. how it's presented from them when they're like yeah giving they've out. been given word to go tell this yeah. person they have to do this so i don't know i just hated it i just if you're gonna have rules just have them you know mm-hmm. i mean a week we, we couldn't just keep her off tv for a week <laughs> Yeah, no, she so, missed. I don't know. No, like, yeah, she didn't miss any wrestling. She just came right back and, and had. So, like, I thought maybe you would lift the suspension and she'd have a match next week, but no, tonight. Let's make this completely worthless. Oh, boy. Um, Rhea Ripley, I already feel bad for her. Like, they're going to they they're gonna ruin her. Like, the promo <laughs> this week, man. Like, she just isn't comfortable it, with kind of wherever they have her character. Is you she know, a heel at mind. this point? Because yeah. I just like, noticed like the team you know, with Jackson Baszler, but right, like heelish. But the problem is you've got Charlotte going like full heel, yeah, right now. Like yes, I mean <laughs> as hard a heel as you can go. So yeah, it really puts Rhea in this weird spot where she's like talking shit to Charlotte, but it's like, well, Charlotte's actually probably badder than you. So yeah, not, you know, you're kind of coming across. But anyways, hopefully it works out. Yeah, there was a six lady tag, six woman tag. And it was, you know, okay. Nia, Shayna, and Rhea got the win over Asuka, Lana, and Naomi. So, solid stuff there. But in what is just a budding romance, and I am all here for it, the the RK bro, Matt Riddle, and Randy Orton team. <laughs> uh. Riddle was interviewed 
backstage about his win over Randy last week, says he's on cloud nine, and Papa Orton comes up and said that he kind of earned his respect last week. Oh. And he knows that he'd been hearing about him talking about this RK bro, and he kind of likes the sound of it. And Matt Riddle just has, like, the biggest smile you could have on your face while Randy is saying these things. Um, Riddle accepts, and he immediately makes it awkward, suggesting snakeskin speedos for the two of them, um, among other things. And Randy just does the, like, doesn't get mad. He's just shaking his head. He's like, just be quiet. He's like, just be quiet. And just is like, you know, maybe we'll talk after the match. And so he, like, walks away, and Riddle was very excited. And, and then they beat Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, who I don't think have won a match since they got kicked out of the Hurt Business. Uh-uh. Yeah, no, they're... they did. <laughs> but they had pretty good chemistry and teamwork. Um, Orton was on board all until the end when Riddle wanted to do, like, the team pose with him, like, down on one knee and Orton doing his, like, <laughs> and R- Orton couldn't bring himself to do it and left the ring, so. So, like, when did Randy Orton, the, like, most evil, terrible, <laughs> yeah, like, wrestler, turn into this, like, babyface like, character? Listen, that that is the power, like, that is why he's Randy fucking Orton. You know what I mean? Like, love him or hate him altogether, like. The fact that he can make that turn, yeah, and you're just kind of like, well, that's wrestling, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> now listen, there's also this the element of it where literally on commentary the whole time, Corey Graves is going, oh, Randy's gonna hit, no, like there was a lot of like, oh, like he's gonna turn for on Randy to like turn Riddle. on him, and Graves was even like selling it on commentary, like, oh, here he comes, gotcha. he's about to do it now, and like it hasn't happened, like that seems okay. to be the story here is like everyone's just waiting for him to like turn on on Riddle. But so far he hasn't done it. So, all right. I mean that I, is listen. that is a classic wrestling wrestling style of storyline. I'm aware right. of that. Right. But yeah, as far as Raw goes, that was that was entertaining as it got. You weren't you weren't um, a big Alexis Playground fan. Oh Jesus! Did I even take notes on it this week? Like I'm so fucking over it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I I I have nothing on it. I don't know. She was still talking about her doll. That's you know, all that I had heard that was was said was she, that. She's Lily gonna do bad. She's gonna do bad things to the <laughs> other women. I think she maybe maybe mentioned. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it's like kind of just sputtering at this point. It's like, okay, did you, you got a doll that makes you do bad things? What, what are you gonna do with it? Since we we didn't mention it during the news segment, and it uh, kind of falls in between some of these WWE elements of shows. Did you see the? Like, we talked a little bit about it last week, but did you see the uh, like full hour long conversation Mickey James released about her time in WWE? Oh, boy. No, I have not seen that. So Mickey James, apparently for like last few months, has been promoting like promoting and not being allowed to promote a podcast that she does called like Grown Ass Women, like Gaw or something is the name of it. Okay. I think. But it's like her Victoria in Velvet or uh, SoCal Val, all three of oh, them, okay. like they just get together and talk about whatever, I guess. But they decided to do a full, like, just talk about her time in WWE and, and, like, the struggles that she had with the way that, like, her character was treated and doesn't get used and all that stuff. Mm. And I'm mm. I'm about 20 minutes in. I haven't finished it yet, so I don't want to speak too much on it, but I wanted to make ah. sure you were aware of it so we could at least yeah. talk about it at some point. Yeah, no, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, that's, um, you know, it's understandable, obviously. I mean, I'm sure yeah. she had probably bigger expectations when she was coming back to just be used. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, yep. Be in matches and the, stuff. So the big headline getter that I saw on Twitter was there was like a, a quote from her talking about when she was trying to be like, why don't we do like 
an all women's show again. Like we mm-hmm. had evolution. Why don't we do another one? Like, what are we doing? And I guess like she had been pushing for it and pushing for it for a while. And then eventually it, it, people are alluding to that. It was Bruce Pritchard, but no, she didn't say that. She just said someone backstage and everyone like put dots together and says that mm-hmm. they think that that's who it is, but who knows? It could be right. anybody, but they, what? that person had yeah. just said, Hey, it's never happening. We're never doing evolution two. It was the worst rated pay-per-view on the network. No, no one was watching. And we're never going to do it again. And so it does, women's wrestling doesn't really make I, money. And that was I, what he said. And so they it were is not an argument that. that I won't even broach because of the anger and the backlash. Yeah. But I'll just say well, like, it is, that it, is that is a fact. That's the fact. And not not and like the, that no one likes women's wrestling. I'm yes. not saying that. That that evolution show. Yes. Like I'm just saying those are undeniable. It's facts. also though like it, in the one thing the one way that I've always seen, I keep like wanting to just respond every time I see that point made that it is that it's true, you know, it was the mm-hmm. lowest rated. What is just that like and they also like set it up to fail. Like that it was a oh, last right. minute replacement mm-hmm. thing because they were getting heat for not having women on the Saudi shows and yep, yep. it showed up and it was there and then it was gone and then it wasn't yep. mentioned. And I <laughs> and I'm not saying it's a reason not to have another show because yeah. what a lot of people say is it's similar with a lot of women's professional sports like WNBA and stuff, is it's mm-hmm. like you have to invest in it you know for it to have a chance to succeed yes and so it having issues in its early stages in its infancy because wnba is an example of a league that is less than 30 years old i think or so Mm -hmm. like it's still very you know you have to invest in it you have to promote it you have to give it a chance to have a couple of those to maybe build more but yeah from a company standpoint they have that fucking thing to point at every time yeah Yeah. it's 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 not it's it's unfortunate yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't, but yeah, business. Ugh, isn't it annoying? So yeah, so if you're interested in more thoughts on Mickey James and her time and, and all the yeah. failed character and directions and storylines she proposed, you can check out that podcast. She'll probably be on the Broken Skull sessions with Stone Cold Steve Austin within the next few weeks too, probably. <laughs> <laughs> with the way the wacky world of wrestling goes. Um, on the yellow and black brand, my only solace when it comes to weekly wrestling shows. Um, Dakota Kai and Mercedes Martinez had a good old match. I still don't know what Ra- Raquel is. She's in this weird in-between. Um, but Raquel Gonzalez beat her up and yelled at her, like kind of, you know, in a heelish way. Okay. On, but Mercedes is also kind of mean. So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure what they're doing yet with her. But anyways, push, putting her in a spot to have a match with Mercedes Martinez with a chance to look strong is a good idea regardless. So. No, I agree with that. That makes sense. Um, the man himself, Cameron Grimes, to the moon, um, has had a jeweler. He's at a jeweler this week, and he wants the most expensive watch in the city. And heard it was at this specific jeweler, and so that's kind of the end of uh, the first segment there. Okay, um, I'll just come back to it. Any so later in the show, as he's you know looking at this very expensive watch, he's confronted by. None other than the man himself, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. Oh, finally have. I thought they were going to hold that off to like a, a, a takeover. <laughs> right. I thought I saw because he's sitting like with a reading a newspaper in the first one in the background. I kind of was oh, like, is okay. that Ted DiBiase? Um, and he has already purchased a better watch than the one Cameron <laughs> I Grimes. the most just expensive bought. one. You bought the second. <laughs> exactly. At the jewelry store. And so he laughed and left the jewelry store and Cameron Grimes just screamed, you know, <laughs> damn you, Ted DiBiase. Uh, I was into that. 
That's I mean, I, I'm glad that they've continued to have fun with this character right now because I, I'm I'm just I'm worried that he's going to disappear at some point. But for for now, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, well, and it's also a good sign too when you see him having match. You know, like he had a match with you know Kyle O'Reilly a week or so ago. Yeah, that was great and showed that he's also awesome in the ring. So I you know I feel like they know that he's capable of doing both. But yeah, this this comedy stuff's been outstanding, and I really think it's probably going to be the main reason that if he goes to Raw or SmackDown, you know, it's going to be sure. this stuff. No, it's good. this and, is very much like when Elias first started down in NXT. It was, right. like, it was like, this is great. Yeah. Like, they should keep mm-hmm. going with this. And then, boom, it was on the other network. Yeah, well, Elias is another victim of, like, they kind of wanted to push him, and then when you don't take that next step, yeah. they just kind of float around. Yeah, or if you, you know, they for some reason just feel like you have a disconnect with the crowd because you're Swiss. <laughs> Anyway, you know, someone who had a decent <laughs> week this week. More on him later. Um, the Grizzled Young Vets complained about MSK avoiding them, but it was Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher who came out and mentioned and told them that they want to be the leaders of the NXT Tag Team Division. And so it seems like we're on a collision course between those four men. That'll be a really good match. I like this team of mm-hmm. Ciampa and Thatcher. Like, yeah. I'm glad they've kind of... They haven't gone the easy route of, like, breaking them up and having them fight too quickly, you know? No, I like I like that tag team as well, and that's that's that'll be a fun match watching those two mm-hmm. teams go at it. Oh, absolutely, yeah, because they kind of teased the Thatcher Imperium thing, but that seems to have cooled off. So we'll see. Uh, a young lady, Zeta Ranier, got an upset victory over Tony Storm this week. Oh, um, yeah, kind of some shenanigans were about, um, and she took you know took advantage of that and got a big win. It's Tony Storm and Zoe Stark have I've kind of looked like they're possibly going to be having a match at some point but i don't love them like like just get tony off nxt like if you're not going to push her to the moon <laughs> then just stop like what she doesn't need to be like getting people over all right uh but anyways bronson reed and austin theory had a match loomis dexter loomis stocked indy hartwell around the ring and uh was knocked off the apron accidentally bronson reed would get the win so it seems like love on the rocks there Candice and Johnny were uh, upset post-match and uh, were trying to fire up Indy, now, telling her that Shotzi and Ember are trying to steal Dexter from her. Hadn't Dexter, like, walked off with her in his arms last week? That was, like, a couple weeks ago, and then it's already been, like, not oh, okay. really, like, then she was at ringside and cost him a match, and then it's, you know, been a whole thing. Gotcha, okay. She got, she, yeah. Because I just, um, I, I was curious how, like, I, I thought they had been together at that point, but I guess... That was just to, to get to the backstage, and then they separated. Yeah, they're, they're trying to slow play this thing. Um, Imperium took on Killian Dane and Drake Maverick. Uh, Maverick was nervous before the match because he feels like Dane is going to turn on him and join Imperium. Uh, and, then, and then convenient events throughout the match kind of uh, confirmed that with Dane being pulled off the apron before Drake could make a tag and things of that nature. Um, Alexander Wolf wouldn't hit Killian Dane with a chair outside the ring so you know they a little bit of a history there with those two from sanity days mm-hmm. they've been kind of hinting at uh, marcel Barthel was not happy about that um imperium would still pick up the victory but after the match it did not look like things were well with uh fabian eichner marcel Barthel, and alexander wolf this dissension in the ranks so hmm. they're gonna need the, they're gonna need the leader walter to come back over here and <laughs> get things in order i was gonna say like 
it's just funny that like this whole time we've had this story about what Dane's going to do, and it's like no, the other the other three are just going to fall apart while they try to court him. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like no, he's not going, and like the other guys are falling apart. Uh, so you know, solid stuff there. Um, Adam Cole did a sit down with Sports Illustrated. I mean, I guess I don't know. It was like a poolside interview where he was. Is, Very mean spirited. Is Sports Illustrated still mag? Like, are they producing magazines regularly? <laughs> I only ever see like the special edition, like ten dollar things that they have at Walmart. <laughs> only in the WWE universe does Sports Illustrated still exist. I think they're just and like they- a blog on the internet at this point. <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, and then an outstanding main event saw Legado del Fantasma defeat the team of MSK and the Cruiserweight Champion Kushida. So. Solid, fun, flippy stuff there from all six men. Nice. And over on Dynamite, we talked about the elite section of things here, but wow, a couple of bangers as we started out with uh, the machine cage getting a victory, a fairly clean victory over Hangman Page. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, they, they did the early at the beginning, the whole yeah, attack. They really, yeah, and, and they really sold that throughout the match. Like, oh, he, he suffered a power bomb before the match outside the yes. ring. You know, like, Excalibur yep. kept coming back to that, which is fine. Because, yeah, there was a pre-match brawl between Team Taz and the Dark Order. And, uh, yeah, but, hey, great win for Cage. Probably his best win. Well, it was a surprising win because, like, we've just been yeah. watching Hangman just win matches at the beginning of Dynamites for, like, a month now. So... <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much the hangman role is yeah i really i take up the first 25 minutes of every episode and win so, uh, they're, they're like well we've had too much storyline around the main championship to have the number one contender actually challenged so he just has to keep winning <laughs> matches so yeah. just remain undefeated we'll get to you oh uh, yeah we talked about the elite stuff including that stuff we'll go now to wow what a match like for free on tv what an atmosphere before the match started orange cassidy and pentagon this oh, yeah. was awesome um, a lot They've of fun throughout. A fantastic job over the last like six months with the best friends faction. Oh well, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're, they're like they had I've, something in the previous year with Orange Cassidy, and they knew it. But like, mm-hmm. they've just really done a good job of making you love like this entire foursome of people, and like they just continue to have great matches with every random heel that gets angry at them for whatever fucking reason. Yeah, and usually not much of one, but they're just you know they're. People don't like how friendly and nice they are. Um, but also, yeah, awesome stuff. Yeah. Alex Abramantes or whatever his name is, mm-hmm. is continues to be like my favorite part of the whole yeah. like death triangle Pentagon thing right now. Like he's fantastic. Yeah. Who would have thought the like QVC guy <laughs> who, who at one time in his career was the youngest uh, writer in WWE. Really? Like, he was there. Yeah. I didn't know that. One time early, early in his career. Yeah. What a star he's turned out to be a great asset. To Pentagon, you know, what an outstanding mm-hmm. mouthpiece, a fun target. And he's just so obnoxious. Like when he just like walked up in the middle of shit and was just like, I have to tell you something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. No, it's great stuff. Honestly, I think it's the kind of thing where it's like, I think it makes Pentagon like, I'd love to see. I know Kenny's dominating everything, but yeah. I feel like Pentagon is more of a world title contender now with this pairing. I just, I think it for sure takes him to an, I think it takes him to another level. I agree with that. I say that as he lost to Orange Cassidy um, <laughs> after a Superman punch with a microphone assist because this company loves the microphone. Oh yeah! Like I, th- I would argue that more matches 
like weapon wise have been won with a microphone than maybe anything else <laughs> well, in AEW. And it's because like it's been so used in here that now when we're watching all these old shows, anytime a mic gets used, I'm like, oh god, a microphone! Like it's just like it just stands out now because I'm so like that's like the AEW trait right now. Like that's just everything happens with microphones. Tony Khan's like, look, I got a microphone guy. All right, not even worried about it. Yeah, it makes a big noise in this giant arena that we can't fill with people right now, so we're gonna keep using it. <laughs> um, we had a uh, parlay. The inner circle and pinnacle. It's to the point where I just want the match to happen. It was some interview with Jericho and like sports illustrated or something where he like explained where he like, he heard about a He's he's like, I got the idea from pirates of the Caribbean. And I was like, yeah, no shit, man. That's where everyone knows about this term from. Like, that's where we all learned of this. Yeah. I love that. Chris Jericho is like the Michael Bolton from that lonely (laughs) Island song when he's like, Hey guys, I just watched the pirates of the Caribbean movie and I got some really great lines for the song. Um, yeah, well, parlay. Never heard of that before. It's it historical term, Chris Jericho, not just Johnny Depp. Um, but it was what it was. I mean, listen, all of these guys are very good at talking. And, yeah. You know, fun was had by all, and I'm looking forward to the, you know, they're doing the stadium thing, right? The bunkhouse thing or whatever. Isn't that what they're doing? The, it's, the, no, it's not the oh, stadium stampede. It's blood and guts, the, the war right, games. I'm sorry. That's right. Yeah, blood and guts. My bad. Uh, yeah, we talked about that. Um, Chris Statlander in a match that it's like, geez, guys, you almost waited too long. Uh, beat Penelope Ford. You remember that <laughs> arcade match when she emerged from the claw machine? Yeah. Yeah. What was that like a month ago? Yeah. We're finally. She, had a, she had a match like last week. Well, but like against Chris, I'm talking like her and Penelope. Like, oh, just that like them calling back to a, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Why did, why did you have that match like the next week? <laughs> on Dynamite. Anyways. But um, it was, you know, solid stuff. Great to see Statlander back. And Penelope Ford is one of the most underrated people probably on this entire roster. No, she's good. I, I'm excited to see where they go with, with her eventually. Um, yeah, I don't know what they're her, doing yeah. with that that whole group. But okay. Well, yeah, well, let's go ahead and mention, yeah, her Miro just beat Kip Sabian up. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, they hadn't officially told Again. us where yeah. this character was in this relationship. It seemed like they had broken up. And it mm-hmm. seemed like, you know, Miro was done with him, but they'd never officially, like, seen each other since then on the show. So it's like, this felt like Kip being the d- idiot character that he is, just like, oh, everything's fine. I mean, yeah, he got upset at the end of that match, but whatever. Just right. walks in and Miro immediately attacks him. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but again, though, something that feels like it should have happened weeks ago. True. Um, but good for Miro. And He's then the part of the on- show that I could not give a shit about less. The fucking nightmare family in the factory, man. Like, I just was like, oh, yeah. I don't, th- this can just well, be done. Just, it's funny you say that, but real quickly, uh, Preston Vance, 10 of Dark Order, uh, had a really nice promo video package talking about what it would mean to bring the TNT title back to the Dark Order. I liked that quite a bit, and I must, certainly I must another one of the people that, that are, what's that? I, I think I missed that video. I didn't see that. I, oh, okay. yeah, it was good. Yeah, another nice. guy who's star all over him in the future. Nice. Uh, literally, my notes for this is QT's team. Versus Nightmare Family, who cares? And that's <laughs> like all I have. They on came that. in in the fucking Cody's Nightmare Bus, which has never been a big deal or a thing. So why do we care? But um, okay, I I think we should all order like the Nightmare Family jacket thing that he's always <laughs> trying to sell because we love oh. him so much. And fucking Billy Gunn again, just in another match like this week. <laughs> like where did that just start happening again? 
I mean, I, you know, listen, there's, a, there's plenty of other things that I would, I'm much more of a, I have a much bigger well, problem no, with than Billy Gunn. The, of the people in this nightmare family that we're supposed <laughs> to give a shit about, Billy Gunn is right. not one of them. Like, what, where is Cody? Why is he not yeah. part of this? Where's the road dog? That's all any of us are really wanting to know <laughs> at this point. Uh, and then an outstanding main event, Darby Allen defended his TNT title, beating Preston Vance, 10 mm-hmm. of the Dark Order. Uh, you know, solid stuff here. Certainly the future is in good shape with these two guys and, you know, as young stars in the company. Speaking of young-ish stars in the company, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky attacked Darby and Sting after the match because we've just moved on from Lance Archer. I don't know what he's done, apparently, but he's <laughs> he's out. <laughs> it's been Ethan Page and Scorpio with Sting the last couple of weeks, so yeah, it's fine. That's fine. I'm I'm a big fan of both these guys and would love to see them. Although the last time we did see him, wasn't he making mention of the fact that he's like I'm supposed to be like right at the like getting a, ch- a challenge at one of these titles or whatever? But you know, all this other shit's taking up all my time, like because he was interrupting somebody or something. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he kept interrupting Sting was the thing. That's like, right. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. What's anyways, wrong but with that. yeah, but. Had a beat down Paige and Scorpio or two guys I'd love to see them, you know, do something with. Even though I feel like Miro is on a collision course to take that title from Darby Allen, I feel like, in the near future. Yeah, I could see that. Um, but these guys are, you know, are great. Ethan Page especially. Like I said, I think he's a big talent. Um, real quickly on SmackDown, because, eh, feels like we're just stuck in a WrestleMania loop. One bit of big news, though. Um, we got a six-person tag, Bianca and the Street Profits beating Bailey, Rude, and Ziggler. Um, Tales from the Dark Follies with Alistair Black as he... Uh, oh, is that what he, that's called now? Yeah, and he like reads a story. What's that Death Note? Is that that anime thing? Uh-huh. I don't know. It has like an anime-ish animation to his stories oh, okay. as he's telling them. It's kind of, it's cool okay. You know, I'm just sick of getting my heart broken of like investing or caring about this kind of stuff because they don't know how to finish it. Um, yes, folks, it's Groundhog Day. <laughs> I saw, Apollo, what? Saw, someone posted, uh, it was, uh, I, it was one of those days where I was like sorting by new one day and like it was on our wrestling or something, but someone posted a gif or an, uh, an image of the office and it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, Michael Scott, but they had put Vince McMahon's name on it and it just, and then they replaced the word sentence with storyline. And it was sometimes I start a storyline not knowing where it's going to end and just hope that I find it. <laughs> I feel like he is the one that messes them up, if, yeah, if anything. Yeah, probably. <laughs> if he would just stay the hell out of the way. Um, but yeah, Groundhog Day continues on the SmackDown brand. Apollo Crews defended his Intercontinental title against Big E. <laughs> again? Yeah, again. And Apollo won again. Uh, Sami Zayn tried to be friends after the match with Apollo and uh, Daba, Kato, Babatunde. And uh, he General got beaten Aziz. up. I'm sorry. Yes, General Aziz, I'm sorry. Um, Sammy tried to be his friend. They just beat him up and left him laying. So it's like, uh, are we getting a Sammy face turn? I mean, he's pretty deep in on being shitty. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but we'll see. I, I, I'm just no more Apollo and Biggie. Please, no more. <laughs> and then, um, you know, a bit of maybe sad news. Your Universal Championship, amazing match. Took up more than the last half hour of SmackDown. Damn. Roman Reigns defended his Universal Championship, beating Daniel Bryan. And Daniel Bryan will now be forced to leave SmackDown. Oh. I didn't realize that that was an added stipulation. On that, that was that was the big, like, you want another shot, like, you know, okay. you lose, you're gone. So 
And it is truly punishment at this point in time if he does have to go to Raw. And that's <laughs> Yeah. Oof. This might be Although, an excuse though to have yeah. him go down and wrestle random guys on NXT for a few weeks, like wrestle, you know, your <laughs> Tom- Tommaso Ciampas and such. Oh, and and he's somebody that, you know, just this week did an interview with um oh, the Barstool kid, Robbie, I can't remember. He's okay. Fox, I think is his last name. Okay. But, but and Daniel Bryan talked at length about Kenny Omega and how amazing of a oh, talent really? he thought he was and how he's just always changing the game and doing things no one else, you know, just yeah. nothing but good things to say. And Daniel Bryan has expressed also another at recently, like he's, he wants to do other things. Like he's, oh, okay. he's not necessarily like committed to a retiring with the WWE, you know, and like, gotcha. So there's a lot of, which is just interesting though, with the around. Bellas coming back that this, that he would, God. the idea that he would like leave and go to AEW, like while Brie Bella's trying to make her return. Yeah, how's Brie gonna feel about going to like Legion halls and bingo <laughs> halls around the country so he can have forty-five minute masterpiece? I'm gonna go matches. wrestling AIW for three weeks. <laughs> what? Oh, that'd be awesome. Um, but anyway, yeah, he beat him up. But after the match, um, Cesaro made the save after a, during a post-match beatdown on Daniel Bryan, and then he got beat up, and no one saved Cesaro. <laughs> but, but still, a good sign that. You know, maybe Daniel Bryan's moving out and Cesaro is going you know, to get an opportunity to lead. He's fighting yeah. Rollins on SmackDown next week, so we'll see what happens there. Nice. Well, that'll be good. Yeah. That's a, that's a look around things. Uh, just one quick thing. Maybe MLW is going to work with WWE. I think that's really? interesting. I mean, well, if you think about it, I, from the WWE standpoint... Like, be their new Evolve until they eventually that's buy them. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, you know, Evolve closed. Because <laughs> yeah. Gabe was like... uh I'm I'm gonna cash out now. <laughs> so I mean I can see it. You know it'd be fine for that very reason because MLW has an out you know pretty solid out you know roster. Oh yeah, I hear some, a lot of good things about their, their weekly show as well. Like it's it's been apparently pretty. I mean, good. Al, yeah, Alex Hammerstone is a guy that you know I'm sure someone like Vince McMahon would take a look at and be like, wow, you know, Jacob Fatu. <laughs> I mean, there's just they got it's a lot just, of you know. It's just funny that was the exact sound that you made because we have about. 15 minutes of oh. just that sound being made. Oh, for God. We watched, we watched two hours of Vince making that sound. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. yeah. There you go. But it's yeah, that, wrestling. I don't, yeah, I don't know that that means we're all going to start working together and it's all going to be hunky dory. Every time something like this happens, now everybody thinks like every company, they're all just going to start trading talent and working <laughs> together. Like, eh. yeah. Because if I was, obviously, I would blow them all right off the stage. But I do feel. Yeah, look at that shot, man. Unreal. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That's right, Hulk. You can listen to the Golden Age of Grappling podcast any day of the week. But if you're looking for new episodes, you can check out our website, goldenagepodcast.com, or look for us on iTunes. New episodes releasing every... Oh, shut up, you fat, bald-headed little old... Friday, Saturday, Sunday comes again.